Heroes of the Night. What sweet ska music they make. It is I, Count Dracula, also known as Ryan Iliopoulos. And I am joined with my familiars. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm Ryan Iliopoulos, and I'm joined with my good friends as always. I got Sparks Witty right here. For audio listeners, Ryan had fake vampire teeth in his mouth. Totally yeah, I was gonna get, to yeah, 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 it was going to happen. It was going to happen. I got Ben Magnet here as well. I was going to pretend that I should, if had I known, I was going to like pull up a, a little wooden stake. It was like a familiar now. I, uh, Wait I was the daylight hours. I'm Dracula every Halloween, usually at work. Uh, and I couldn't find my cape because I have a Dracula cape too, but I did find my fangs. Uh, but yeah, that's Ben Magnet. That's Sparks. And yeah, I'm fake Dracula with the fake fangs. We're here to talk about Renfield, the newest, hottest movie coming out in the year of our Lord 2023. Oh, don't, don't say Lord in front of Dracula. Uh, but it is episode 323. And y'all, uh, we just hit 300 subscribers. That's true. It's Yo. a small but very monumental moment. Every every hundred feels like, oh wow, look at that! It's a hundred bucks. Not really. We're still here here we're on out. YouTube. So yeah, cheers to us. Pop it off. So uh, if you're watching this live, if you're watching this, you know, in the rewind, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much <laughs> for stopping by. Before we get into all the fun news that we always, Ben, you look like you're about to say something. No, I was going to say, Sparks just cracked open a cold one and he's already choking. <laughs> Sparks, are you okay? He loves to, he, he loves to crack them open. That's what yeah, he, does. he does. Just like a, just like a bone breaker. Audio listeners have no idea I'm not at all an alcoholic, so. And when I mean cold one, he just cracked open a drink. That's not alcoholic. What is that? Arizona? This this is a peace tea, my friend. A peace tea. Oh, might as well. Might as well. Be okay. Sponsorship itself. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, before we get into all of our wonderful news and the review... Uh, we got some links. We got we got things. Hey, yo, the Fake Nerd Podcast, we do things. Uh, we do. That's why we get 300 subscribers. It's how we got 300 subscribers. Uh, but before we talk about the Fake Nerd Podcast itself, Brandon T. McClure is not on this episode. Hi, friend. Hello, Brandon. Uh, he does have some stuff, though. Uh, he is still revisiting the Infinity Saga. Uh, number 28, the, heli- the Helicarrier sequence from the Avengers. I did have to click the link to see what helicarrier moment he was talking about because i wasn't totally sure but oh it is the first helicarrier moment uh uh, it is a great big moment oh yeah that thing exists like when the hell when the helicarrier comes out of the ocean right yeah yes yeah yeah. okay yeah that is a good moment it's a big it's a big moment in the movie i remember being in theaters and being like oh damn Absolutely. They did it. And uh, uh, in the in the uh, the bottom in the links, we got Brandon's uh, CBR work, his comic book resources work as well. So check that out. Uh, he works hard on those articles. Uh, ben, speaking of working uh-huh. hard, you've got let's see, one, two, seven, eight. You got a couple things in here. Uh, <laughs> I don't it looks like eight. it might be only one actually. <laughs> I, I should only have one. It should only be Dean Dark. Um, oh no, I'm just great... kidding. You're just a hard worker. That's all. Awesome. Well, well, he also appeared on Fake Nerds Watch, so yeah, that yeah. counts for him too. It's true. It's true. You okay. do have. Just one personal link, though. It is Dean Dark episode 23, Fright uh-huh. at the Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, multiple Night at the Museum jokes in that episode. It was a great episode, as always. What a great show that is. I could not tell you how happy I was when our DM told us, like, because when we recorded it, he we ended it, uh, like, the episode prior to this one, the one that came out, when we were recording it, we actually ended a session when he said, you hear things rumbling and coming alive in the museum. Myself, um, Aaron, uh, who plays... Um, Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, and Dan, who plays Imhotep, the mummy, all three of us were like, is this night at the freaking museum? We were so stoked to start night at the museum. I was so excited to do that, to do this little, uh, to do this adventure. And I can't wait to share it with all of you. Um, minor spoiler, we're not done at the museum after this episode. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I mean, I don't think that's, that's a spoiler it's when it's titled part, part one. Part one. Oh. <laughs> 
there we go. Hey man, it could be like History of the World where we don't get a sequel for 45 years. You know, you know, that's so like, true. let's hope not. Though. Well, thankfully, you only have to wait a week or less than a week now because the next episode's coming out on Wednesday. Yep. And I will definitely be listening to it at work. Like I said, and great show, Ben. Great show, Ben. Uh, thank you. And I have to say, a little a sizzle for the episode that's coming out this week. I have been dying to tell you to talk to you guys about what happens in that episode just for specifically what happens to my character it it makes me so happy i i was having a very good day that day i love it i love that you're having a good time with that speaking of having a good time let's talk about the network we got a bunch of things coming out this week uh yo man why don't you talk about the real score yeah right here there's an audio feed for y'all to listen to if you can't watch the videos that's true the real score is still sitting there uh we we're probably going to keep plugging it uh weekly until it gets a little more off the ground but um, mm-hmm. the real score is there. It's just the Batman episode with Michael Giacchino where we talk about film scores and how it works with the movie. And that's still got a video, got an audio feed. Uh, it's great. Our next episode comes out later this month. Woo. Still, hey, that real score of Batman episode, still a good episode. Check it out. Yeah. Speaking of going places, why don't we go to the stars multiple you times? Mean, show, are we going to trek or are we going to war there? The answer is yes, Ben. Ah. The answer is yes, because we have two fake nerds watches. The first is Star Trek Picard episode, ooh, episode eight of season three, uh, Surrender. Uh, from what I hear, uh, not just from Brandon, but from the internet, people really like this season of Picard, which is fantastic because they're not saying the same thing about those previous seasons. And uh, a show like this where it's, you know, uh, Jean-Luc Picard and the whole crew, you'd hope it'd be good. So great to hear it. Great to hear it. Spock it up. That's true. Uh, we also have Star Wars, The Mandalorian, episodes four through six. Uh, with the middle batch of the season, uh, we can we are all talking about it on that show. We're all we all have various opinions on how the season's going. Uh, I'm feeling very confident going into the finale, uh, but that is for that is for Fickner's watch to talk about. Right? That is right. for the next Fickner's watch for us to talk about. Catch Absolutely. up on our conversation before the finale, so you can hear us talk about those last two episodes, and maybe it'll have changed some minds about the whole season, and probably not. But yeah. we'll we'll see how it ends up. Yeah, sometimes you know. Uh, uh, a nice ending can can soften some things, but hey, you know, it's still it's still crunchy in the middle, you know what I mean? Um before we get into the news, <laughs> is there anything y'all want to talk about that you did in your week? Anything strike your fancy? Anything fun I, that you did? I hi, is that Ben Maggot from the Figner Podcast? Hi, yes, everyone. hi, hi, Ben Maggot, um super Mega Man nerd here. Um, I want to talk to you about our uh, Lord and Savior Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, because yeah. this came out this week and I got it. And um boys, this game's awesome. Hell yeah. Now, okay, uh, with, with a lot of other Legacy Collection games, Capcom actually put some time and effort in to bring some quality of life improvements, making the the making younger players, essentially easing younger players into Mega Man, because as we all know, with classic, make, like the original Mega Man games, Mega Man X, they got a little bit of a difficulty curve. They're a little, you know, hard. Um, Legacy Collection, or Battle Network, is a little departure from what we know as Mega Man. It's more of a, definitely more of an RPG. Um, you you build a deck of battle chips to help um, help your way along fighting viruses, random encounters, and all that. This game is awesome because they add so many different quality of life improvements that I'm play, as I'm playing the very first Battle Network, I never got to experience the first two Battle Network games. I started from three and went from there. Mm-hmm. I am so happy I'm playing with this because they have the, uh, there's a little mode I want to talk about called Buster Max mode. Now, when you start, if you just do a regular vanilla, if you have a GBA cartridge of Mega Man Battle Network, you slap that sucker in, your Mega Mega Man's Mega Buster only does one point of damage. 
And I mean, you can upgrade it throughout the game, but it only does one point of damage. In the Legacy Collection, you could do something called Buster Max Mode, where it starts off doing 100 points of damage right out of the gate. Man, Buster makes them feel good. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it also helps because I will admit the, the games are a little grindy. You have to, as I mean, part of the joy of the Battle Never games is seeing Mega Man get stronger as the game progresses. But also, it's grindy. There are times where you're just like, I just want to get through this damn dungeon. Why are so many viruses attacking me? Like you get you get into a virus battle, two steps later you get into another virus battle, and you just go, ugh. This one streamlines the process so so well. And it also helps with collecting those rare battle chips. Cause if you get a high busting level, you get the rare battle chips. And it makes that so much easier. I am love I'm playing with Buster. And also you could turn it on or off whenever you want. You are not okay. stuck with it. Got a and question. I'm, yes. Uh, I played the first couple. This is the first three, is it right? All of them. Shut your mouth. What? I thought, no way. All how, how, of how many is that? How many, it's like, how many is it? Like 10. I thought there was like seven. Are you kidding so, me? So there are six games, but with Bound Network 3, 4, 5, and 6, there are different versions. They did the Pokemon shit. I remember that. Yeah. They yeah. did. That's they why did. I think that's why I stopped playing them. So the cool thing about having the physical game itself, the physical game. So as you guys know, with especially with Mega Man and Mega Man X Legacy Collections, they split them in half, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Uh, when you bought the physical version, Volume 1 was always on the cart, and you, they gave you a downloadable code for Volume 2, correct? Sure. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I, I mean. <laughs> No, whereas with this one, both volumes are on the single cart. So when you plug into your Switch and turn on, both volumes just pop up. Mm. So you don't have to do a download code at all. It is the interesting thing. Um, this doesn't happen like very often with like console games, but like PC games, you do not, like they don't sell PC games anymore, like in stores. And if you do, it's usually just like a digital copy. Uh, it is usually just like a box with like a code in there because it's like the PC thing is so streamlined. It's like mm -hmm. you can just download it, right? Um, yep. And Nintendo was doing that for some so, like certain games do that. Where like if you buy like the Game of the Year edition, you'll mm -hmm. get the game, but you still have to download everything through like a code. Uh, and just yep. like just put it all on the disc. And I'm glad nope. that they did that. Nothing. They nothing. Did was crazier sorry just real quick nothing was crazier than the, the like ultimate god of war ragnarok edition that gave you a steelbook case but no game disc that's the, yeah. that's that's the absolute worst thing that's insane. insane that that was i hated that bit i mean i'm okay with getting like a like because there's a with final fantasy 7 remake and kingdom hearts when i got those deluxe editions that came with a steelbook they came with a regular case the game was inside the steelbook you just had to transfer over it yeah i wasn't too upset about it i was just like all right cool if i need an extra case for something i could just zombify this one that's no problem but the fact that when you buy a game and it comes as like hey here's the code and then here's a steelbook but no game inside of it, it's like then what's the freaking point yeah, that's weird. Uh, uh, another question. Uh, so this isn't just a, we put a slap of a paint over it. Like, it's actually like they went in and they, for all 10 games? All of them. That's incredible. How much is it? Is it is it 60? It is, it is 60 bucks. It's still 10 games. Like, and those are long-ass games. So, like. They, they are. I mean, Buster Max Mode helps. And I'm playing through Mega Man Battle Network 1. And they were even giving me options. Like, hey, here are some power-up things to make your Buster stronger. Because you can definitely see the RPG elements. Because when you go into a certain thing of the menu you can give mega man's like some armor you can give them stronger buster attacks i thought i don't need this i already have buster max mode on yo uh even with buster max mode on i can still power up the mega buster so it does like 150 points worth of damage now it's like oh i feel like god this is great i love i i don't know if i could play like 10 consecutive versions of that game for like a million hours but like i love that grid battle system like i love like tactics games and like the way that game operates like 
I loved those first couple games. So like I might like wait for this to go on sale and I'll definitely like this is on Switch, right? Switch. Yeah, it's on Switch. Yeah. It's on uh Switch PS5 uh or PS4. Oh, it's on it's PS5. On it's on It's on all major consoles. I got it for okay. the Switch personally because I loved the Battle Network games for my game for my GBA. Oh, it is handheld. Um, what are you talking about? Of course. Yeah, out, outside of I mean outside of Mega Man Legends and Mega Man X, Mega Man Battle Network was one of the Mega Man games that I was buying every because these almost came out every year like there was yep. a new bound network game almost every year and i had to have it i absolutely adore this series and now that because these games physical are very expensive it just looks even and now there's a collection with every single one with every single version on it and it's you could just feel the love and care that capcom put into this legacy collection and mm-hmm. it's just great you, i mean of course you have the usual stuff you could turn filters on and off you could smooth the pixels out you could keep it as like you can change the size of the screen you have borders and the artwork is a phenomenal when you turn the game on you actually have Mega Man talking to you and it's fantastic like it depends on one time of night last night i was playing until super late at night i go to the home screen and Mega Man is like man it is so late you should probably go to bed i'm like yeah. Ah, this this it's just like the anime. And speaking of the anime, another thing I want to talk about is in celebration of this game's release that happened a few weeks ago. I can't believe I haven't talked about it yet. Capcom USA released both seasons of Mega Man NT Warrior on YouTube for everyone to watch mm-hmm. for free. You don't have to have a YouTube Red account. You don't have and there are YouTube Premium account. You can just straight up watch the original anime. It is the dub episodes. Just warning you now, the dub is a little cringy because it's early 2000s uh dubbing <laughs> but it's awesome that capcom is like hey we know there's an anime that you guys miss here it is on youtube there's no ads at all there's no like as far as i can tell there's no ads i've been watching it i'm on episode seven or so mm-hmm. and it's just great because i absolutely loved this anime and this anime came out at a time where i was really chosen for some Mega Man content yeah yeah i it's funny i played uh, i think i played the first three uh of these games but i uh, not that uh, they're obviously they're incredible games. It's like I never, I was more of a Mario platformer. Mega Man mm-hmm. was a little too hardcore for me. Now that I'm older, I'm a more appreciative of it. But back then, I was like, oh no, I love these like tactics games where I'm just like moving around a grid and like uh, uh, hanging out with my homies for like 40 hours. Yeah, uh, yeah. This this remaster is absolutely, or this um, legacy collection is absolutely fantastic. I've only just touched the first game. I've been playing the first game for I want to say like an hour and a half or so. I've mm-hmm. gone through like a bunch of a few bosses. And I love Buster Max mode. It has just made my life so much easier. So I can like, get, I feel like with Buster Max mode on, I could not speed run, but I could get through the game quick. Cause like you said, Ryan, these are long games. These are pretty yeah. decently chunky games for a Game Boy game. And it's just, it's just awesome to have that option. So do, if I ever want to like switch it out, it's like, okay, cool. No harm, no foul. Just turn it off and it's, you're back to normal. I love it. Love it. So yeah, a lot of Mega Man for me this week. No, yeah, I can. I, I understand doing one thing specifically for an entire week of time. I understand you. Uh, anything else? Uh, I watched a certain Star Wars show and a certain Indiana Jones movie that we talked about mm. at a different time. Mm. That's 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 content, baby. That's content. That is content. That is content. That is content. You're damn right. You were consenting to that content. Then. Uh, uh, what's up, Sparks? You do anything fun this week? I did. Um, I'll touch on it here because I didn't feel like it needed to be put in the news because um, I'm the only one who watched the show, but A League of Their Own, mm-hmm. they did get the hammer that came down on them to say that they're only having four episodes for their second season, and that'll be it. Yeah. Um, this came after, like, we know 
you know, test audiences uh, were the main driving force of why Amazon made this decision, regardless of like what later came as major accolades for the show and increased viewership that they acknowledged existed as a push for the episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I finished the season this week and that show's great. And uh, it's hard to look at how many people are talking about the importance of the show and like that there aren't a lot of shows with a entirely female lead cast and then also featuring uh multiple multiple queer relationships um and dynamics and the fact that it's a period piece on top of that in the conversation which is like this is a point in time that being a queer woman isn't talked about much at all so Mm -hmm. having that representation from this point in time is is also like unique Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have been really loving it and so like it's hard not to see the decision to end it as just totally uh, at, at, you know, bare minimum ignorant, but at worst queer phobic. Um, Amazon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a big bummer. I highly encourage people to watch the show. Um, nothing's going to change its fate, but I still think it's worth the go. Uh, I feel for the team that now has to like bring all their stuff together for four of the last episodes that are filming currently. So they'll make them the best they can be. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Lots of shows this happens to, but like this one in particular feels like what a big loss. Cause there's something very, if you watch the show, you'll know there's something just very different from like everything else that we have on TV mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Um, so ben, that's you, a big, Ben wants to say something. What's up, bro? Yeah. I forgot. Actually, uh, Sparks, when you talked about League of that reminded me of something else I watched. I was really wanted to talk about, especially with yeah. you. The Owl House finale came out. Mm. That's right. I watched the Owl House finale. Um, uh, I absolutely love that show. I loved that finale, but at the same time, I'm still mad at Disney for what they did to the Owl House. Yeah, no, absolutely. It sounds like, you know, like it's one of those. Yeah, I guess. Okay, thanks. Situations where they got the ground to run the story to like the conclusion they wanted. They just had to get there a lot faster. Um, So like, I'm pleased that Disney gave them the room to have like large like hour long multiple episodes yeah. to the finale. Congrats. That's great. Um it is a shame that like Disney still truncated it entirely that forced that to happen. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. you know, they gave them that runway to end the show on. I've lot, heard a lot, lot of, of positive lo- I've heard a lot of positive stuff. I'm not caught yeah. up, so um but I've heard a lot of good stuff. Bunch of love all over the internet uh uh during the release. Yeah. Yeah. Lot the Al show is a great, great cartoon. I look forward to to finishing it. It's going to be another one of those situations like OKKO where I'm really going to drag my feet with it because I hate when things end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When good things just come to an end, like I'm going to be like, oh, but if I don't finish it, then it's like it's still there. That's that is <laughs> me with everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll be really bad with that. Um, I also finished um, because I was in the mood and I'm like, you know, I really should get this done. I finished the Bad Batch season one so I can start season two at some point in the near future um how bad is that batch that bad batch is pretty bad Mm -hmm. uh in a good way like the good bad yeah yeah um bad to the bone a little bit ugly uh i really like it i think that the season one finale is really strong um i think the season overall like aside from a character that i think like filoni brings so much good stuff to star wars and then every once in a while there's a character that he just decides like man, this character just really works. And like, I hard disagree. Um, and like, there is one of those in the bad batch for sure. Uh, who just constantly gets 
pushed more and more to being involved in the main character stories. And I'm like, this, this character does not jive for me um, because <laughs> it, they're definitely one of those, like you've watched enough Clone Wars, you've watched enough Rebels, you know, these characters when they show up, they're ones that feel like they are, they are like when they're introduced they're they are kind of like a single one note character. And so their voice profile and their personality all feeds into that idea of like, my thing is this is how I talk to people and I talk bad to people and this is like all my character is. And then it's like, you know what? Let's make that character in all the episodes. And, mm. but that character is not developing. They're not becoming a more nuanced person. Um, they're is, just- is this, what, is this a Jedi or? No, this oh, is okay. a, this is a uh, basically the person who like harbors them midway through the season and gives them food and money mm, yeah. to go do jobs. And like- her name is Sid, and uh, I she's just bland, and I don't care for her. But she keeps being shoved more and more into the season without like actually changing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, Filoni always has one of those at some point. I think in every show, someone shows up. I I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but like this is a trope that has happened in Star Wars before. It's really funny. Uh, I wasn't gonna bring this up in my week, but um. Uh, I, I dive deep into uh, Jedi Dark Disciple, which is the Quinlan Voss uh, Asajj Ventress book. Mm. And that's awful. Oh, and Quinlan's, Quinlan Voss sucks as a character. That's so sad. And he's one of Because this is the, like the canon. Yeah, this Quinlan is the, like now. one of yeah. the first. It came out in 20, 2015. It was like one of the first books. Uh, and they just do terrible things to Asajj and it's awful. And uh, uh, Quinlan Voss is such a shithead. And he is like one of like the fan favorites in like star wars no for sure and, and so like, is Asajj. uh yeah but Asajj is really cool and they ruin that character and quinlan has been nothing but a background character who people like because he has face tattoos right. and then this whole book just he's just awful and he's mentioned in obi-wan kenobi as like someone who's leading the path and i'm like oh my god I, this guy shows up i swear uh he's he's rancid and i hope that i hope Filoni can fix him in live action <laughs> yeah uh, uh grace it so quick thing. I, I'm all crazy. Sure, just, just real quick, because Ryan brought it up. Like Dark Disciple, I've dreaded getting to it because I'm pretty sure they kill Asajj in that story. Dude, not only do they kill Asajj, like they ruin her character and everything that she stands for. And like I almost wish I didn't have this knowledge now. Yeah. Now and know, knowing that she's dead and she's just gonna stay dead, and like maybe they can do flashback stuff, but the way that they kill her, they basically they're basically like she dies for Quinlan and to save the Jedi uh uh and she's like it's just like it's i've heard it's I've heard, awful i've heard that pretty much nobody likes what they've done to Asajj. so yeah. i'm i'm pretty disappointed in i'm that, really hoping the fact that like that's the new canon version but like they just like look, they've retconned it. they've retconned stuff that they've said is canon according to the books before um and it literally happens yeah. in the bad batch where they show a different version of canon uh order six sixty sixing. that's right than is in his own comic the book first that they episode. released so that's true uh they'll go back on something if they come up with an idea that I hope so, more man. intrinsic to the narrative of Star Wars. So like, whatever. Um, especially if it's something that's so, so largely hated as that book is. She's basically like, I don't want to talk about too much, but it's like, it's like a romance book between them, which can be fun, but, but she basically dies for him. And in doing those saves him from the dark side and saves the entire, like the entire Jedi because Quinlan was so essential to the Jedi order. And it's like <laughs> all this nonsense. And I'm like, man, remember when it was, 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 was just it's really cool. <laughs> And she didn't try to like, she didn't try to I dress remain, up for boys. I remain angry that they killed her off too, because like, I'm like there's book. so much storytelling potential for you to bring Asajj in at so many different points. I remain 
uh, a person who wishes we got an Asajj Ventress solo video game yeah. telling a story after Revenge of the Sith, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the Ahsoka novel. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, do I have a favorite Grayson of the Bad Batch uh, between Tech, Echo, Wrecker, and Hunter? Uh, it's Echo. It's easily Echo. And the main reason is because Echo is a clone I spent seasons and seasons with before he became part of the Bad Batch. He is, without a doubt, the most developed character on the team. Um, the rest are fine, but like I've had the Bad Batch season and then a few episodes with them in season seven. Echo is a clone who comes from the rigs uh, and like we follow him for a very long time before he ends up here. And uh, he's he's 100% the most developed character and the most interesting. Um, it's not even it's not even close. Like Wrecker, Hunter and Tech are all just ideas of like a guy who does that job inside of a team. Echo is a character. I like the guys, but like that's that's what they are. Um, <laughs> just being honest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, let's see. Ooh, uh, we watch everything everywhere all at once again. It's true. That's a great film. I was great film. Crying so much. Me too. It was incredible. Great movie. Um, and then I'm still casually and leisurely reading my way through the King in Black event. Um, I've read some more issues. I'm really enjoying myself. Uh, more will come up at a later date because my next book club will be related to it. Um, ben, you'll miss it, but like it'll happen. Um, thwip, thwip. You'll be doing something more fun, I'm sure. Uh, <clears throat> and then the last thing I'll talk about is that last night, um, Odin died, y'all. Spoiler alert. Uh, in Ragnarok, as he is meant to, he fell. Um, there are fragments of Asgard everywhere across the realms. Ten, and, ten of uh, them. And I'm, I'm pretty pleased to, to have seen it all the way through to that point. That is a God of War Ragnarok discussion. He just, that is. Yes. Yeah, God of War Ragnarok. I uh, concluded the story, the main chunk of the story. Um, I have a little bit, but it is a very tiny bit, as Ryan has told me, um, that I just need to finish up. So, uh, yeah, pretty happy with it. I'm looking forward to finally listening to the pause menu about it. <laughs> pause menu. Yeah, I'll probably share more thoughts one last time on a quarterly. One last uh, time. When we get around to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Is that it? Uh, yeah, that's my... That's my week. I don't think there's anything else of consequence I need to bring up. Yeah, uh, I didn't do much. I'm just still obsessing over Yellow Jackets. Um, that's a show that unfortunately is just coming out once a week, so I'm starving for the buzz, buzz, buzz. So much so that um, I listen to a weekly recap show uh, with the Ringerverse. Uh, wow, what a great website. I love that. Love that podcast. Um, uh, Yellow Jackets uh, is super, super, super inspired by Lost. And Lost is a show that I never finished. I'd only watched a couple episodes of way back in 2004 which every time i look back at an old show i'm like i hate i can't i can't keep doing this myself i feel old every time i revisit something um but um they're like hey a lot of yellow jackets is like directly inspired by lost because that show is now technically old enough to be inspirational right um and y'all like that show is incredible it, like it really is i'm only like eight episodes into the first season there's like 120 episodes like it is six full 22 episode season that's a full ass tv show uh, I hear it has ups and downs, but that first season, J.J. Uh, Abrams, 
uh, Damon Lindelof. Uh, Michael Giacchino does the entire score. Uh, Larry Fong, the cinematographer for uh, a lot of uh, modern modern great movies. Uh, it's just incredible. Uh, it's got all the vibes I want of like mystery, uh, like spirituality, mysticism, like what's real, what's not. Um, a lot of the same vibes from Yellow Jackets, but it is a much more, uh, it is not about cannibals. It is just about people who crash land on an island. How do they survive? Um, the thing that I'm really connecting with and what I love so much about it is the willingness that people are just talking about the situation that is unfolding in front of them, whether it is real or not real. One of the characters is seeing his dead father walk around the island. This other guy who was in a wheelchair can now walk now that he's on the island. These are unexplainable things that these people have to deal with, and they just talk about it. And in, in one of my favorite scenes that I've seen so far is in episode five, the uh, Jack and Locke, they come together, and, and Locke is like, there are things happening on this island that I cannot explain. You cannot explain them. I cannot explain them. We are all experiencing something, but nobody's talking about it. And I'm tired of not talking about it. Something is happening on this island. Because I, I was in a wheelchair before I got on this island, my guy. Uh, and it just, the acting is so good. Like, this is, like, really the beginning of, like, prestige TV. Like, you know, like, Sopranos in the 90s. Like, HBO was doing that stuff in, like, late 90s. But, like, this was ABC. And this was, like, the one of the first really big, like, like super big budget, like really big diverse cast, a really problematic racism in early two thousands. That's just unfortunate in scenario of its time. It was it, it's this and like the one two punch of this and then heroes the next yeah hundred percent yeah. yeah. Um, also ABC or something I believe yeah, yeah. NBC NBC there you go one mm -hmm. of the C's. Uh, but I'm just I'm super enjoying Lost. Um, the character work is uh, so strong. Um, uh, the, the the main cast of Evangeline Lilly, she's incredible, man. And I haven't really seen that much of her work outside of, of the Ant-Man movies, to be honest. But like, mm -hmm. there's a reason she she's a huge star, dude. She's the incredible. The mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's just... uh, she, she's in those movies, for sure. A lot of people in those movies. <laughs> Why does it hurt so much? Because it was real. Um, uh, the, main, the main guy, Jack... Um, Matthew Fox, who was uh, Racer X in Speed Racer, that's a guy who I haven't, yeah. he did not break out into be a huge movie star. And y'all, I'm not joking, like his role as, as Jack in this, in Lost, it's one of the most powerful and charismatic performances I've seen in a lead actor. Mm -hmm. Like he, he plays a doctor who is caring about people and like just the way he feels so natural, like this is a, a beautiful, caring person. Uh, it just feels natural. I'm like, oh my God, I understand why this was like the biggest show in the world for like five years. Uh, it's just like, it's so good. I love it. Um, so it's going to be nice to have, you know, a bunch of lost, you know, it, it's a, it's sad, you know, they're on an island, but it's like, it's pretty mellow. And then I get one day where it's about cannibalism. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's Yellow Jackets Wednesday or Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> and then, oh, it's back to lost, you know, family friendly. Oh no, drama. Ah, cannibals. Like, I love it. Uh, uh, great vibes. Uh, I just love a really good mystery. Um, lost uh, uh there's a there's a hatch y'all there's there's a polar bear how did a polar bear get on a tropical island i'm sure i'll never find out <laughs> the terror the terror <laughs> yeah because um, why not because why not uh because uh jj abrams loves a mystery box yeah well i do believe that is it for the week so why don't we get into the news that's the bread once once you got it the bread and butter <laughs> which is right <laughs> here Before we get to the the news of the week, y'all, we do have an in memoriam uh, for a couple couple folks. Uh, first, we got Al Jaffe, who was a cartoonist for Mad Magazine, uh, and he passed away at the age of 102. Um, 
I heard I heard a lot about yeah, this. Yeah, I was not familiar uh, with this man's work because I watched Mad TV growing up as a kid, but that is not the magazine. So right. I looked up uh, what he is most famous for, and it is the Mad Magazine fold-in, which was making fun of the uh, Playboy magazine uh, uh, fold-out, like, uh, pin-up things. And it was basically jokes that would fold out in the magazine, uh, like, basically just, like, making fun of Playboy. Uh, and I thought that was, like, awesome. And that, like, became really influential uh, when he did that. And then he did that for 50 years. Uh, and I think that's just incredible. Good night, Brandon. Good night, Brandon. Good night, Wherever sir. Wherever you are. All right. Uh, yes. Uh, I heard a lot of people talking about, like, the, the influence. And, like, Mad Magazine, like, when it was at its height, what a, what a major and prominent thing it was. Um, and especially for cartoonists. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, really incredible touchstone. 102, too. Long life. Absolutely. Good yeah. job. And then we got Michael Lerner, who most people, excuse me, will know as the mayor in the 98 Godzilla, 98? Yep. In the 98 Godzilla movie. Yeah, the um, one who's playing one of the critics. Yeah, he, his name in the movie is Mayor Ebert. He's uh, also in Days of Future Past. He's also in Days of Future Past. Look at that. Um, It's funny because he's Mayor Ebert and his, his sidekick's name is Gene. That is Roland Emmerich making fun of Siskel, uh, Siskel and Ebert, the movie reviewers who often... Uh, 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 negatively 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 reviewed his movies but uh when reviewing godzilla the reviewer said hey you didn't even kill us off so like good job man you didn't even kill us off when you're making fun yeah. of us you missed I the remember that opportunity right i remember that clip too because they're like yeah if we yeah your movies we hate your movies and if you put us in your movies and you don't even kill us what's the point man exactly what is the point well it's it's very true uh real quick like michael Lerner has an incredible um litany of films oh, and oh television sure, shows. sure sure yeah. he's in 114 films Jeez, louise um wow. he's he's a character actor like if you look at his face like you'll you'll realize like you've seen him in a lot of stuff 100 percent. um like he's he's a common like he might only show up in like a scene or two playing like a judge, a senator, a military, a guy. military guy, not always a military guy. Like we just pointed out the yeah. Baron Godzilla, but yeah. like, but like he's, he's got a very like versatile here in, in these appearances. Like he, he was in mirror, mirror, um, all kinds of, all kinds of appearances. Yeah. You've seen him, um, illustrious career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 81's a good age to go out and like, he, he was always working. Absolutely. That's yeah. for sure. 114. That's, that's a lot of movies. That's a lot of movies. That's a lot of, that's a lot of cheddar. All right, moving on. Uh, so we talk about a lot of entertain, entertainment here in the Figner Podcast. Let's start with comic books because we got a couple of comic book news. Uh, mostly, this one's for me. I mean, we all like the X-Men here, but I am Mr. Mr. Caught Up on X-Men. Uh, the Fall of X is happening in the fall. It's the fall of X. You know, it makes sense. The cool lines. Um, Sins of Sinister is the big event happening right now. So whatever happens at the end of that, which is ending uh, this month, the ramifications will spill out into the fall of X. Mm -hmm. We've already talked about a couple titles, but we have some more revelations about some some of these other titles, such as Children of the Vault. Uh, ben, I know you were, I know you are behind, but did you get to any of the Children of the Vault stuff in Hickman's run? I, you get that? I remember when the children went into the vault. Okay, so you 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 got to that part at least. Okay, so you're yeah, so much I got familiar. I I got to them going inside the vault. I just haven't. My stack is so big. I'm so no, scared it, of it right that's now. That's okay. That's um, I got you. I just I wanted yeah, to know if you were familiar because I, I know that I saw that I saw it was X twenty three. I remember her and four other X Men. It was Sink. Ben, it's Sink and yeah yeah yeah. Ben Ben got all the way up through X of Swords, and I don't know that he yeah. went past that. I was about to get into Hellfire the first Hellfire Gala when yeah. I stopped. 
I was simply asking if you, the children of the vault, they're, they're enemies of the X-Men. They are hyper evolved humans who basically, the vault is a hyperbolic time chamber from DBZ. Right. They spend literally, they spend millions of years evolving, <clears throat> human, evolving themselves to be better versions of themselves uh, in a way that is almost like evolving, uh, evolving humanity in like a mu mutation kind of way uh, through science. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, they don't see it. They don't see it that way. Sure. Uh, it's totally different. Right. Um, Children of the Vault is becoming a, a four-issue miniseries written by Dennis uh, Camp with art by Luca Maresca. Uh, Dennis Camp re recently wrote uh, 20th Century Men, which is like one of the most acclaimed comics of all time. So uh, Definitely that, a book club later this definitely year. Definitely a book club later uh, this year. So th that creative team alone gets me excited for this comic. Two of the X-Men's strongest soldiers, Cable and Bishop, must join forces to defeat the greatest threat to mutants' future, the Children of the Vault. I'm very excited for this. These a bunch of these are going to be miniseries, um, uh, which I'm totally fine with. You know, give me a cool story, uh, in and out. Uh, the next one we got is Alpha Flight, right. and that is uh, Ben. You know anything about Alpha Flight? Mm. You're from Canada. What? You're from Canada. You know that part? I did not know that part. They are the Canadian Avengers. That's what you need to know. Uh, Alpha Flight. Okay. Uh, this five issue miniseries will be written by Ed Brisson with art by Scott Godlewski. Uh, and it is about Canada's premier super team reassembling to navigate the dark times that have befallen mutant kind with major players on both sides of the war. This is going to have a uh, guardian puck, snowbird, shaman, Aurora, North star, nemesis, and Fang. Uh, I recognize a third of those characters and that's always exciting because if I don't recognize all those characters, that means I'm going to learn about those characters. And I love learning about new characters. I can only assume that puck is a big hockey fan. Uh, I know he's he's a he's a little little man with like super strength. <laughs> ben Ben uh, over here, like I know a lot about Stephen King, but Shakespeare, that's beyond me. <laughs> On my screen, the puck looks oh. like an F. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that word. Uh, oh. Next mini series we're gonna be talking about uh, is Uncanny Spider Man. Hey boy, howdy! Y'all remember when I said that Spider Man is gonna become a mutant? Nope. <laughs> This is about... Uh, wait, 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 real quick. Yeah. Ben, who do you think this is about? Uncanny Spider-Man. What? Oh, I saw one with her. Oh, oh, no, Nightcrawler. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, Twitter spoiled that one for me. Sure. No, okay. Also, no, I, I just wanted to see what you would come up with if you had to guess. Uh, this is definitely one of the weirder ones, but it makes sense with what's happening right now. Uh, Uncanny Spider-Man is a five-issue miniseries written by Cy Spurrier, who's fantastic, and art by Lee Garbett, who's also, who's also fantastic. Uh, as darkness overwhelms mutant kind, Nightcrawler embraces a new role as the classic New York City hero, who's going to be bamfing around in a uh, in a spider esque looking suit. Um, bamf flip. Bamf flip. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is interesting because if you're not currently in the know of Sins of Sinister, there's a book called Nightcrawlers, um, and this is in the alternate or not alternate universe, the the bad universe right now, where Mister Sinister is one, everything is sinister. He has a team of uh, Chimera created Nightcrawlers of a bunch of different heroes, uh, uh, basically as the cops of New York City, and they're all just bamfing around doing dirty work. Uh, but they're all slowly gaining consciousness of like, I don't know, what are we doing? Is this actually bad? You know, maybe getting influenced by Spider Man. So like, so like the Thors from basically, exactly, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Like his, it's his crime force. Like they're able to teleport everywhere. Uh, there's like an X twenty three version, a Spider Man version. You know, like there's a bunch of like Gambit version. Uh, that's really cool. Whatever is happening in that book is going to have Nightcrawler realize, I think I want to be Spider-Man. <laughs> I want to go to New York. Uh, that's just a really silly, fun idea. And like the idea of like Errol Flynn swashbuckling-esque uh, Nightcrawler wanting to be like, I could be Spider-Man. Why not? It's just like, <laughs> yeah, well, okay, sure. Uh, and just the idea alone is really silly. 
Uh, so I'm I'm all sure. for it. And it's a mini series, so it's not like oh this is going to be like a sea change for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peter Parker died. Like no, it's it's a five issue mini series. Like this is just something that happened. That is a fun little thing. A fun a fun little uh, size barrier joint, which I'm sure sure jump thrilled about. Uh, and that is it for the for the X Men talk until hopefully next week where we can talk more about X Men because that's Woo-hoo. my that's my dream every day. Woo, guys, we got a new publishing company out for comics. Comics come out every week. So many different companies, so many publishers, but we got a new one. Do you know about this, Ben? Do you hear about I do not. Distillery? It kind of sucks. Did you hear about Distillery? Uh, or Dastardly, I mean, as I call it? Dastardly, that's fine. Oh, well, now that I hear that Sparks is calling it Dastardly, I hear shit must be going bad. Real quick, uh, Mag, thanks for showing up. You enjoy Coachella. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you for stopping by when you're at Coachella. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. If Mag is at Coachella, Mag... Why the hell are you watching us? Because he's amazing. He's on stage right now. I because mean, yes, we are. He's, because he's an, a, a real MVP, Ben. That's he's in between MVP. sets. He's in between sets. I was about All to right. say, uh, you must be in between sets ben, right now. Do you see the way Distillery is spelled? Because you have, you have the, the, the blog up, right? The oh, D-S-T-L-O-I? Yeah, um, I see that. I'm just, I'm just saying, so you know, it's spelled like, oh, it's like, oh, you know, we're, we're punks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like taking out all the, the vowels out of it, so. Yeah, yeah, it's very okay. nice. Uh. So Distillery is a new publishing company that wants to give writers and artists a greater stake for their creative efforts. Uh, writers so Brian that. Azzarello, Scott Snyder, James Tiny IV, Ram V, Stephanie Phillips, and the artist and the artists Mirka Andolfo, Elsa Char- uh, Charité, Leigh Garbett, Jacques, and Jamie McKelvey have joined the company. Uh, they do not have exclusive contracts, Mr. Ben. All right. So far, that sounds pretty good. I mean, yes. get, getting writers and, and artists more stake and more more cash, that sounds good for so far. I know the butt is coming, but so far, so good. I'm, now, what's, I'm, what's, I'm with you. I'm with you, man, because when this was first announced, all the good stuff was up front. And then once we dived into it, it got gross. So what's uh, the butt? Uh, so let's get to it. So they will produce oversized print comics, uh, which is fine. You know, collectibles, vinyl, figures, posters as well. They will also offer comics digitally but only for a limited time. Once the sale window closes, the digital copies will be available only in a virtual marketplace for collectors. The sellers, will sell the, the sellers will set the price and a portion of the resale will go to the creators. Uh, basically, digital scarcity. I'm, basically, I'm sorry. Oh, a no. kind of version of an NFT. Gout. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Ben, oh. uh, think, of it, think of it like if they tried to do this with digital games. And like having to resell digital games so that they still get a profit off of the resales. That's the structure of this. Uh, I got more. Excuse me while I charge up my Mega Buster because I'm going busted. To 100, to 100. Uh, David Steinberger, who founded Comixology in 2007, is a founder and chief executive. Uh, the first comic uh, being published will be called The Devil's Cut. Uh, it'll be a series of standalone stories written by uh, the company's founders. You know all the guys we mentioned. Um, uh, the thing that's not mentioned in here that I that that uh, the creator there's a bunch of interviews happening. You know it, they announced the thing they're going to get talked. They're going to talk about like it. when Substack happened. Like when Substack happened. Yeah, and that's that everything's great over at Substack. You didn't get me then either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that really drove me nuts was the digital scarcity thing, and it was oh, so Scott Snyder wrote this comic, and then he is the person who has the digital version of this comic. Scott Snyder then gives me that digital version, making that copy more expensive. This digital PDF that he gave me, the writer, that means it is more valuable. Not that there's anything else about it that no. makes it different. He, from- he digitally signed it and gave it to me. Sure. Uh, so now my copy is worth $100 instead of $5 if I want it to be. If you want to resell it on that same virtual market. And our... Art, art is, that is, art is subjective. You can make art, whatever. You want to spend a million dollars on a painting? Sure. Uh, 
digital this is this is the thing about again digital arts just like digital scarcity is digital real. scarcity is not real the second that somebody gets a hold of that pdf they will mass produce it it'll be on free read comics online the next day like the, like that's the worst thing about this it, to me is that this only encourages piracy 100 percent. in the oh, comic totally. in like in the comic market i'm like if this is the the retort of like we want to get more people buying comics so that the industry is thriving and so that these writers should be paid more for their work anyway yeah just by the industry itself this is the wrong direction to head it because you're just encouraging people to pirate the the only way i could see that that this company can course correct is if they just offer the digital comics at a much cheaper and discounted price that's the that's not that's the opposite of what they're doing they're literally i know no that's the that's the thing that's okay all right because everything up to the, the whole digital bit, like having physical media, cool. Having uh, print books, awesome. That's, that's just a publisher. I, yeah, that's just a publisher. But then they're like, oh no, digital scarcity, that is complete and utter bullshit. It's just I mean, the gross, want, it's the gross aspect, oh, yeah. I mean, I get, try to make as much money off the physical stuff, but if people just want to read comics, just offer the comics um, digitally at a much cheaper price. But no, this whole digital scarcity thing, as Spark said, is gonna encourage piracy so goddamn hard people are gonna go on that on that site and go yo ho yo ho a pirate's life for me like all day and every day and i and i don't understand why you'd want to do this like it's not i i guess it's like the thing of doing um like limited run games you know we do like an x number of physical copies but like it's it's digital it's not the same they're not doing that with physical writers for the writers, just like with Substack, it feels like this is still just a reaction of they don't feel like they're being paid what they're worth. Yeah. And they're probably right. It's true. I'm, I'm yeah. sure that's true. 100%. It, but these are not the, because the, a lot, this and Substack are both things where it's like we're trying to put more money in the pocket of the writers specifically. And I'm like, I get that and I'm all for it. But like this, both versions and this, it, this one and the other have been things where I'm like, this is not good to the consumer. This, this is not is... kind to the person who wants to support these writers. Um, and the digital scarcity thing, the other thing that's really gross about it is that like, let alone like the digital resale market, the fact that like they always get a benefit from it. I'm like, that's that's weird. That's weird. So like a part of reselling it goes back to them, not to you. That's, oh God, I hate this so much. And it just, it, I... it bums me out because like, like, all those people I, I named are like good creatives, they and are. like, and like Rom, Rom V is like I think like the most talented. Like yeah. him and, and and Al Ewing are like the most talented comic creators alive today. This is the same way I felt when they said all the Substack stuff. Yeah. I'm like I like a lot of these people, but yeah. I'm not gonna pay five dollars a month for every single one of these writers I love. And that's it's the unfortunate thing because like when I look at when I look at wanting to support a creative, like. Patreon is like is like the model. Like I I support a lot of people. I give a couple bucks to so many people, and they give me so much stuff. And like so many other companies want to just do what Patreon is doing, but because Patreon is very much like a solo, like you're supporting a single person, uh, like so many other companies want to do that on a grander scale. Uh, I, and I'm just like, I don't know if you yeah. like. I I just don't know if you can have forty different Patreons because there's only- there's Substack and there's there's like coffee and there's there's like so many of these like these these things to give people money and i'm like i just want to read a comic i mean i i just i just want to read a comic right i mean not only that the whole nft bit the nft thing is dying or dead yeah it's been on its last legs for months if not half a year already the nft the nft hype train is gone it feels 
even at there's uh what was it like mag east or pax there was like this big gaming convention that happened a few, a few weeks ago and there was and someone was like uh circling this picture around twitter about um from last year where a bunch of video game companies or companies were part of this big uh, video game blockchain thing yeah. and then the photo from this year it's reduced to over like more more than half of those names previous are gone yeah 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 no one cares. Neither no one cares. No one's buying into it. The only people who do are already invested a whole bunch of their money into it. This whole digital scarcity thing is completely utter bullshit. And it's been proven time and time and time again that the second you say NFT, only a very small portion of the people who are into crypto will jump at the chance. But those whales are very few and far between. And the thing is, like this technically is isn't an NFT, but it it's might not. like it, it is. It is the same thing. It is. It is a digital piece of art that only technically you own. Which yeah, like I mean, again, like it's so easy to, to pirate that. Every like, time they say digital scarcity, oh, it's digital, but it's scarcity. It's like no, it's called right click, uh, right click, cut paste, or right click, just, uh, save. Like at the end of the day, like they're not just doing digital comics; they are doing print comics. Like, hey, I want to read every comic that Ram V puts out. Sure. If I can get a, if I can just buy the trade in a year, like there are there are a lot of Substack comics that that are now coming out that are like I can just buy that because it's being published through Image or whatever, and like. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm just like ignoring this. I'm just like, cool. Can you guys give me a comic that I can physically read? I'm there for it. But in general, yeah. like even just like talking about the business practice of it, let's say that they weren't doing the digital and like this was the policy on the print where it's like, yeah, we're only selling, you know, 100, 200, 200 yeah. copies yeah. of Ram V's next book. That's and that'd awesome. be like, wow, that's really awful. Yeah. That's really, really shitty. Yeah. Um, that's not enough for everyone. And like, they if they could enforce some way for resale market but they couldn't yeah but like if they could and that they would try and like it, it's like this is not a good way to conduct business with people who like comics i agree yeah. yeah it's just and it feels just like like a bad trend that like business people cooked up and they were able to pay comic people enough to get them in and i'm like the other thing about this like sorry just yeah, real yeah. quick like the other thing about this in substack and substack i'll give a little more leniency because i do feel like there was a a, a clear intention on some level to be like a more direct path between a, a writer really valuing something in their own work and wanting to share it and being like you pay the same amount for a single issue of something i write for one of the big companies will you pay five dollars a month for I, I get it i do get it i get hitman, the, the hitman is doing that. so much on substack uh uh for cheap like he right. is one of the best examples of like how you do that because that dude is literally like creating universes showing every document every script giving you a comic book uh, like, but unfortunately, aside from that, Substack has its own issues that oh, we yeah. don't want to support it at all. Absolutely. Um, but like, I understand the impetus of that. But both of these are not good new industry structures to create new comic readers. They're just not. Mm -hmm. And like, that should be priority number one: is to get more people going and buying print comics. That's it. The this thing, is yeah. not encouraging it. and and the thing that i don't i don't like like speculation collectors markets where people go to a comic shop and buy all the number number ones so they can resell them and like that's what that's what's that's what's going to happen here it's like it, digitally like oh these people are going to buy all these and they're going to sell them for 100 bucks because they have the one copy you gotta think that they gotta put a limit on the amount you can yeah purchase. like like one think, digital purchase per yeah. now granted like they're all there you can make like separate, account, accounts. separate email mails and everything yeah. but like they at least have to put that bare minimum loophole. You, you cannot just like yeah. get on and buy five digital copies. Yeah. Why yeah. would you need that? Why would you need that? To sell Especially them. if you're yeah. structuring a resale market. Absolutely. You know that's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Um, I hope that the the bad word of mouth around this can can fix some of the stuff, but I doubt it. This seems like, you know, 
It sounds like venture capitalists trying some shitty shit that'll that'll just it'll die. It'll probably just die off. Uh, who knows? I hope who so. Knows? I want to believe because again, like Scott Snyder, Ramvi, uh, uh, Stephanie Phillips, like <laughs> that bums that bums me out. Those are all great people. Yeah. Speaking of great people, let's talk about some casting news. Um, over at the Detective Comics comics at DC Comics, uh, we got some Creature Commando news. Uh, that 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 cartoon. There might also is also gonna be some live action stuff, so we know uh, we know who these characters are now. We got Frank Grillo. That dude's been talking for a few weeks how he's joining the DCU. Uh, he's he's not playing Batman. He is playing Rick Flag Senior, and that is Rick Flag Junior's father. <laughs> he's playing uh, uh, Joel uh, Kinnaman's uh, uh, dad from the Suicide Squad movies. Uh, that's great. Uh, Frank Grillo's a cool guy. We got uh, Maria Bakalanova. Uh, she is appearing in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. She was in Borat 2. She's a great up-and-coming actress. Uh, she's playing Ilana Rostovic. I'm not sure who that character is. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, we got Adira Varma, who's playing The Bride, The Bride of Frankenstein. We all know her. She was in Game of Thrones. Uh, she was the mother of the Sand Snakes. She was also oh, in Obi-Wan yeah, Kenobi yeah. as the cool lady that mm-hmm. flirted with Obi-Wan. She's great. She was. We got uh, Zoe Chow as uh, Nina Mazursky. Nina Mazursky. Nina. I believe she might be the the, the fish lady. Uh, Alan Tudyk, of course we got Alan Tudyk. He shows up in everything uh, uh, comic book related. As Doctor Phosphorus, that's great. Doctor Phosphorus is awesome. We got David Harbor. Look at him jumping shit. Love him. Uh, he's playing Eric Frankenstein. Ben, <laughs> Mr. Frankenstein himself. That's great casting. He's he would be a great. Uh, I was gonna say like specifically because they're they're not together here, but Indira Varma and David Harbor together. together I want to see so bad. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's gonna be fun. And last but not least, we got Sean Gunn returning as Weasel, but also GI Robot. Look at that. Good. Pulling double duty. I love it. Uh, so this is pro- this is like the first thing we're probably going to see in this new lineup. Uh, obviously not Blue Beetle because that was a thing from the previous uh, uh, era. Uh, but this will be an animated thing and we'll see. When did it say? Was this 2025? 2024? Uh, yeah, it's going to be 2025. 2025. Damn. We're not going to see anything until... It might be 2024, but like I think they were saying like 2025 to play it safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I think we're gonna have a dead year in DC media next year. Oh, while they get everything ready. True, true, true. All right. Um, this is a great cast. Yeah, this is a great cast for animation. This is a great cast for live action. Yeah, I'm like imagining all these people uh, uh, live action. I'm like, yeah, that's gonna be awesome. That's great casting. Uh, continuing with great casting and good news, let's talk about Deadpool three. Uh, there were reports that uh, Marina Baccarin was not gonna come back potentially because they were having some uh, money disputes. Well, it is happy to report through Deadline that both Marina Baccarin and Stefan Kapitschik, who played Colossus, no, Peter Rasputin, will return as Vanessa and Colossus in Deadpool 3. That's fantastic. Uh, you need, I think, I don't I, necessarily know if you need Colossus, but I'm, I'm happy. I am 100% happy. Uh, I love, I do love that character. I, think I feel, a lot of fun. I kind of want to argue you do need Colossus in a Deadpool sure. movie just because he's the moral compass of deadpool in a way That's like true. go yeah, yeah. back to the first two deadpool films he's always like let's do something good like even in the second movie where he swears he's like Haha, see you in hell now we now we just need negasonic teenage warhead oh yeah. hell yeah you get you get that and yukio yeah you get them back like hi wait hi yukio we need her we need yukio i will be very upset if neither of them show up but look if they look i'm already pleased that we're getting what we're getting like if if we're really getting Marina Backer and, and Stefan Kapitschik uh, back for Colossus and, and Vanessa, then we're already, we're doing great. We're doing oh, yeah. awesome. Also, it would just be really fun. I know they're not going to do it, but um, in the comics, Vanessa is, is a character called like Copycat, and she's like a spy who like who's almost like a mystique when she can like transform into people. So like, you don't have to do that, but like, give her, give her you know, a little something to do. Give her something to do. Give her a little something to do and just being, you know, the, the cool girlfriend. Um, 
Speaking of cool ladies, yo, we got some Blade casting news. And y'all, when I saw this, I, this popped, this I popped off. This one's for the sickos. This one's for the sickos, because <laughs> Mia Goth uh, from X and Pearl. Um, Infinity Pool. Infinity Pool, the, the, the Brandon Cronenberg movie. She is a, a scream queen indie darling. She's incredible. Uh, if she's playing like an evil vampire lady, this movie is going to be awesome. Uh, she elevates everything that she's in. Uh, uh, she's fantastic. So like Blade, you're on my good book right now. You got to do a go- quick Googs bin. I'm quick about Googs. to look her up, yeah. I don't know if you see. You might not have seen anything that she's been in. She's kind of uh, definitely. Si- we've watched trailers with oh. her, but she's she married to Shia LaBeouf. Me. <laughs> yes, she's with Shia LaBeouf. Huh, good for her. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I yeah haven't seen any of these movies, but hey, well, Ben, ben trusts us. This is good news. Yeah, yeah I, I tr- no, 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 I do, I do, I trust you guys. Uh, speaking of maybe not trusting things, let's talk about Lilo and Stitch. Uh, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, Lilo and Stitch has some casting. We got Billy Magnuson, uh, who is in uh, Game Night. He's in Aladdin. I'm sure he's in a bunch of other things that I haven't seen, but he's great. I think he's really funny. I don't know who he's been cast as. Maybe it was announced, but it's not on the news right here. I really hope he's not playing the boyfriend. David? I don't know his name. David. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then we got uh, got Nani cast. That's Sydney Agudong. Uh, and that's great. Uh, uh, I'm going to say this because I saw a bunch of people talking about it. Um, uh, Miss Sydney, she is, she is light skinned and Nani is darker skinned in the movie. And I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, she might be, you know, Hawaiian, but like that, that, that is still important. You know, having dark skin representation. It is colorism. Thank you. That's like colorism is where I was looking for. Well, the, the, the most prominent thing about it is like when you translate like Nani to live action, this is definitely like a very light-skinned yeah. Nani comparatively. Yes. And like that, that's part of it. Yeah. For sure. Um, this is also like just this happening way too much with like Hawaiian history and Pacific Islanders and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people are talking about it as they rightly should, people who are yeah. this is directly affecting. Um, it's it's a lot like when we talked about what was going on with the America Chavez casting. I really like her, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, like she's not necessarily representative of the character as she appears in the comics in terms of skin color, nor is she puerto rican and representing puerto ricans and so like there's there's all these kinds of uh aspects that but the most important one to me is that nothing personal against who's been cast but um this sydney agudong doesn't look the same skin color as the girl they cast for lilo who actually looks much closer to lilo yeah and that's the the really bonkers thing is like why didn't we get a little closer here yeah it is just it is just one of those unfortunate things. Yeah. 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 Um I'm still hopeful for Lilo. Yeah, Stitch. hopeful for oh, the yeah. film, but like uh it is a bummer. I think that a lot of people are gonna be like, this does not look like Nani. Yeah. Um Nani. and like the skin color matters. It just yeah. does. Like just does. It's true, it's true. Moving on, let's talk about Radio Silence. Uh Radio Silence is a team behind Ready or Not and the two most recent screen movies. Uh, we all love them here. They're fantastic uh, uh, creators, uh, producers, writers, directors. Um, they are developing a mysterious Universal Monster movie. Great. Ooh. Very and uh, Mel- Melissa Barrera, uh, 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 Sam from the Screen Movies, uh, the main star, uh, has already been cast because they're homies. Uh, let's look at let's look at the 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 movies. We've gotten plenty of Drax. We got plenty of Draculas. Right. This is the Bride of Frankenstein. It's it's either the Bride of Frankenstein or I'm saying it's a Gilman. Mm-hmm. It's a Gilman. We need some creature from the Black Lagoon. Love. I haven't seen a Gilman since uh, Shape of Water. Since, uh, yeah, maybe. 
I guess that counts. Tell Doro said that was basically started as a creature from the no, black. No, I get it. Changed. Like, <laughs> I that's, get, that's a Gilman. But I want to bang that fish man. I don't want. I want to be. I want to be afraid of a fish man. I don't want to. Sure, I want to sure. be emotionally invested. Okay, so Kevin in the woods. Yes. <laughs> that was like ten years ago. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, I think this is great. Whatever it is, this team has made three excellent movies. Uh, uh, if she uh melissa burr would be would be a great bride it's the fact that she's cast already that makes me think like they they had it very likely the bride yeah i'm into it i'm totally I, into it uh i'm 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 biased because of my character in dean dark but i want brian frankenstein yeah yeah i mean brian frankenstein is an incredible character uh like like just appearance wise and like her icon level that is not an explored character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like she's i don't know if you've seen that movie ben she's not in it a lot she's only in the last like eight minutes yeah and she doesn't do a lot she's in basically a single scene dude i ben i can't tell you how much i love i'm so glad and we it's watched, an incredible film yeah i we watched we watched them like i don't know if you watched them back to back but we watched them very close to each we other did. years ago and like frankenstein and the bride of frankenstein are like completely different movies the second movie is so goofy it's about science and shrinking people it's like a comedy it's like a goofy comedy sometimes um it's awesome uh, much 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 more of young frankenstein which you're not going to get i realize as i'm saying it yeah but much much more of young frankenstein is taken from bride of frankenstein than frankenstein yeah it's a uh, uh, fantastic stuff uh, but bride of frankenstein is an incredible incredible film they introduced an iconic female character who is not utilized and underexplored yeah and uh it's about time they had a movie that was about her well damn now i really hope it's bride of frankenstein now it's about damn time this is why i was really excited when um Back when the 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 universal monster idea, uh, the the shared universe thing was really popping off, and um, they were talking about that Frankenstein film with um, Javier Bardem, Javier Bardem, and Angelina, Angelina Jolie, and I was like, oh man, that's, that's really cool. Is a spicy, yeah, that that would be Frank very and spicy. I am sad we didn't get that movie. That would be a very spicy couple, absolutely. Uh, speaking of spice, let's let's turn over to animation. Let's find, see if you guys find the spicy or not. Let's talk about Stranger Things. Uh, an animated spinoff is in the works at Netflix. And what's funny about this is it's similar to the Saturday morning cartoons that we grew up loving. Um, mm. I'm not, I'm, who's we? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, not sure who that, that is. That is a different I, generation. I, <laughs> what did we grow I, up? I have words about this, but let's finish the news up and are then we, I'll say my words. Are we talking G.I. Joe or are we talking Fairly Odd Parents? Yeah, like, uh, what generation is this? The range here. <laughs> Uh, Flying Bark Productions is developing a series, and they developed the newest Rise of the TMNT uh, series, which looks great. Animation is insane, hundred percent. The, the the fight scene that's been shared around with the turtles fighting Shredder and and Casey Jones, yeah, uh, or just fighting Shredder is phenomenal. So if I'm gonna dive on that show at some point. Yeah. So it, when I when so if I take a guess, yeah, like if I think of something like Rise of Rise of the Team NT, like you know, like really, really like vibrant and uh, kinetic, like really action packed, uh, uh, lots of movement, like you know, uh, uh, I don't know, like Stranger Things, though, it's much, it's much kids just like talking and walking. Yeah. So here, here, when I first read that, while I was glancing through the news before we started recording today, um, my thought was, wow. I guess I really hate it when people try to use that uh, that phrase for nostalgia purposes. Hmm. Uh, because like you guys said earlier, which Saturday morning cartoons are we talking about? Are we talking 80s or 90s? Because those are very different types of cartoons. Or the Dungeons and Dragons. Or today. Yeah, the like, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons cartoon. Or yeah, like like like, uh, uh, yeah. like are, Dexter. Like what are we talking are we, about? Are we talking are we Tom talking, and Jerry? Yeah. Yes, because they're like, 
obviously when we say Saturday morning cartoons, every single generation has their own version of Saturday morning cartoons. Like our generation of millennials and 90s kids, we grew up watching Fox Kids, Kids WB, ABC One Saturday morning. So many different types of shows. And even then, a lot of those, the reasons why I was watching those childhood blocks was not for the American cartoons. It was for the anime that got dubbed over. Right. If I had to take a guess, it's the 80s. It's the 80s because Stranger Things is 80s inspired. Yeah, so probably. something kind of like. It's going to be like, te- it's it's why it's this team. is like, it's, yeah. it's modernizing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's modernizing so that era. Maybe more like, like aloof and goofy. Uh, not so much like hard, like, mm-hmm. like kind of like, you know, like modern action, hardcore, more like goofy. Uh, yeah. That, that, yeah. And is it true to we don't have saturday morning cartoons anymore i'm, well, sure, I'm well, sure we have cartoons that come out saturday mornings but like that that era of like the block yeah. of saturday morning i don't think that exists the way it used to yeah be. that that was what i was talking about because yeah. i would because waking up to watch fox kids kids wb that was a ritual yeah. in my house new season to digipon you bet your ass i was up at 9 a.m ready to watch it um pokemon the same thing we would watch batman beyond and be caught up on batman beyond just to get ready to watch pokemon at I mean, eight o'clock be, in the morning be, the last time i checked and it's been a while cartoon network would use saturday and sunday mornings to play classic cartoons so like until 9 or 10 a.m you're getting looney tunes but you're also getting like courage cowardly dog powerpuff girls okay. dexter's lab a stupid dog Maybe okay. okay but uh, yeah I, when i say saturday morning cartoons i was thinking about the ones we grew up with, unfortunately. Uh, mm. Cubics. The Rubik's Cube one. Remember that one? Rubik's Cube one? <clears throat> Cubics? You don't remember this? No. Sorry. It was on a Fox? It was a Fox show. It was about, it was about a Rubik's Cube robot man. Look it up. Bang, Google it. Google it. Rubik's. Moving on to things that are Cubics, cubics that are real, that shouldn't be. Uh, let's talk about Squid Game. We all watch just real quick before we moved on. Yeah. I was gonna say I don't know if I need a Stranger Things anything. Not at all. No. <laughs> like, I, I, I should have said it again. I don't know if I, I want really, anything I besides season. Five. I do not need this whatsoever. Is is it true? Oh then? shit, that is real. Yeah, I'm, I I sometimes I'm not lying. Then I, He's a I, I, robot man. It, he <laughs> looks I, like you've a... got you've got me for one more season of Stranger Things, and, and that's and it. I don't really know if I want anything else right now because I'll be honest, like I'm not 100 thrilled with like the lore yeah stuff that we're heading for that makes me want to see like other projects that could be tangential related if it's if it's just what stranger things is doing but in animated form i want nothing to do with it you'd have to do something completely different like make it but that's the thing is like season four made me afraid that like there is there is nothing beyond the story that's happening here because of the lore of the like why is the world the way it is well hopefully the upside down yeah hopefully they'll they'll figure that out by season five and they'll give us something cool to chew on Speaking of chewing on things, are you still chewing on cubics over there, Ben? Yeah, just okay. No, it's it true. Just, it, it's no, it, well, obviously it's true, but at the same time, oh, it's right. just like, huh? I don't remember that cartoon at all, and I remember. Excuse me. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, speaking of a speaking of a, a Rubik's cubes, that's type of type of game. Squid Game. We all watch Squid Game, right? Did all of us watch Squid Game? No. Oh, oh damn it, Ben! Did you watch Squid Game? I did. Okay. Damn good show. I would say one Great of Netflix, show. one of Netflix's best shows, like truly. Great show. Uh, it's so good. You should go watch it. You should watch it before it gets an American remake. Which yeah. is how about no? Netflix. How about but no? I, this is incredible. Mr. And Beast already did it. 
he did uh he also cured blindness good for that guy sure um this is one of the dumbest like i remakes you know that's fine uh that is a literally a brand new show one of netflix's most popular and the only reason they're remaking it is because americans are too too, too stupid to read sometimes i love them sharing around it's bong joon ho right yeah uh, where he's talking at winning parasite and he's like you know if america if western audiences could just learn to read that one inch of writing at the bottom of the screen the world, they, would, the world would open up to them Absolutely. on media yeah uh squid game just go watch squid and there's a dub yeah. like it's, i don't recommend it's not it great but it's there it's there yeah um yeah. the thing about squid game is like it it doesn't need to be sometimes you remake something and you translate it differently to to suit um like to suit a different culture right uh squid game, squid game is about like capitalism like there's nothing this I'm making remaking it in America changes nothing except that it's about white people instead of instead of Asian people. That's the mm-hmm. only thing that it's it's the same. There's nothing going to be different about the show. Like it doesn't need the change to be Americanized. It already is. <laughs> Koreans deal with the exact same. It, there is no country maybe in America in, in America in the world that is more like America than South Korea right now with how their entertainment works, how their government, how like how uh, how uh, everything works. Like it is very it is very Westernized at this point. Right. Um. So this is just stupid. This is, I hate. I, I really hate this. No, I hate this so much. I mean, when I, I when I saw Parasite, I watched it with the subtitles on. I'm like, "There's no way I'm gonna watch this movie dubbed." Parasite was freaking amazing. Even now, remember I'm when that guy home. crawls out of the basement in the dark? Yeah. Oh, yeah, terrifying. But also, there's this new drama that came out of South Korea that's on Netflix right now. I can't. I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's about a girl who or a woman who is seeking revenge on her high school bullies, and. Oh. I can't remember what it's called, but I I've come home and watched a few scenes because Fanny and my fiance she's watching it. It's amazing. The oh. clips I've been watching, it's like I want to see what happens, and it's brutal. I mean, it's not. It's when I say it's brutal, it's not brutal in what she does to her victims. It's brutal of what um her bullies did to her. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it's nuts. And I but, and I'm watching and watching with subtitles, and I'm like, or she's watching with subtitles on. I'm like, this is awesome could you imagine if like that was dubbed over with like some guy like hey get out of there so the Uh, the other thing about it is that squid game is based around childhood games that they play that's true and like they'll have to be creative and change all but one of those games yeah because only one of them is one we've actually read like american which is red like um but the rest of them those are not American games. <laughs> Play so Monopoly. You can't, you can't make an American version and have the Americans playing those games. They yeah. now have to come up with new games for them to be playing. I so wonder. It's going to require an amount of creativity that they're going to have to apply to it. I hope. And so. I don't have any faith they'll be yeah. able to do. That's like four square. <laughs> isn't tug of war an American game? Because I remember playing tug of war on the playground. <sighs> there are some, yeah. There's like a just just a jumping puzzle, but there are some that are specific to like Korean culture, which they will right, have right, to right. retranslate into something else. Right, right, right. That I hope I do agree. I don't. I think... genuinely forgot about the tug of war section. But no, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I I do agree. I don't think they'll be creative enough. I think they just want to make a bunch of money because yeah, the creative hate, of Jesus. I hate this news. I hate yeah. it so much. You don't need an American Squid Game. You just have the great one that's already coming out of Korea. <sighs> watch Mr. Beast video. It, it is it is actually really really well made. And it's and it's you don't have to watch the whole season of a show that already exists. Um and don't watch the live action one that Netflix made where they put people through hell. Oh yeah, I for, I already forgot that existed. Good. Wait, they, are we talking are we talking about physical 100? 
No, I'm talking about Netflix there is made a, one. There is an actual literal Squid Game that Netflix decided to make a reality show out of. After Mr. Beast made his. After Mr. Beast yeah, yeah. made his. And that still hasn't released yet. But we have heard from some of the people who participated. That's and it sounds like it was hell on earth for them. Yeah. Never you know, mind. The squid of all of its ink. I was. Dead. It's so it's so like devoid of self awareness of the property that why the property is popular. Yeah, it is really wow. it is really funny. Um, okay, because uh, the show I mentioned, I was because there was another Korean reality show that was released on Netflix called Physical One Hundred, but it's a it's a reality show that's kind of like Squid Game where people get eliminated, but it's like a hundred very fit and strong people, and the whole point is like who is like the fittest out of everyone and you go through different like extraneous physical challenges but of course once you get like eliminated the only punishment is you break down because they do everyone's bust in plaster they make a plaster oh. cast of your bus and after you get eliminated you smash it so so we've only heard words from contestants who are part of like the first section of the game which was red light green light then for this live action squid game but basically what they talk about is the fact that like clearly it was rigged for certain people to win like some pe the people are saying like well we never really had a chance because we didn't move and other people moved and they weren't eliminated and i slightly like shifted and i was eliminated like they were just looking for the moment to take me out while other people got away scot-free so whoever's gonna win that game it was rigged so like a bad because there's reality supposed to be show. The amount of the, uh, an amount of money for them to win yeah and like it's clearly a setup and they clearly have chosen who they want to get through to what rounds. That's us. And like those people were eliminated on the first day. And so they got there on this awful plane ride. They had to get up early in the morning. They had to go do this shoot. And then while they were finishing the thing after they were eliminated, they had to wait around for like 14 hours for them to tell them anything about what was going on next. And they were given like fire Island level amount of food. Ritz crackers. Oh. Anyway. No, it's a shit show. And Netflix has denied that it was this bad, but like, when enough people say the same thing, you're like, no, nah, yeah. it was like that. Well, we'll always have that original season. Uh, great, great, great stuff. Uh, let's move on to Amazon. Uh, Amazon is discussing potential new shows and movies for a few of their newly acquired MGM Roar properties. Some of those would be Stargate, Robocop, Barbershop, and Legally, Bond, Legally Blonde. That's so funny because a Legally Blonde movie was supposed to come out like literally next month. I mean, yeah. There's a done Legally Blonde there's movie. There's a Legally Blonde 3. There's one ready in the can. Uh, the trailers was supposed to come out a while ago, but this stuff, I guess, stopped that. Um, hey, uh, Stargate's cool. I love Robocop. Barbershop is cool. Legally, uh, sure. The only the only one I'm, I'm personally invested in is like a return to Stargate. Yeah. Uh, like a real big one, not like a, yeah, yeah, a real a real return. The last one was like a digital like web online yeah, only. Yeah, yeah, that's not what I mean. No, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's hope for the best. I love RoboCop. There's a new game that's coming out. It looks awful. Moving on, the HBO Max. Ooh, excuse me, just Max. HBO Max is dead. Long live Max. Uh, and it will launch with three new tiers, guys. Uh, first of all, this is stupid. Power to the Max. Oh, do you see like the logo? It's like, it's called Max, where you go to watch HBO. It's like the dumbest. It is, it's awful. Anyway, uh, it's gonna launch with three tiers, three awful tiers. One with ads for $9.99, one that's ad free, but with minimal ads for $15.99, and then ultimate ad free for $19.99. No, 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 no. So the so the $15.99 is also ad free. Is it? Yes. Okay. It, the difference is that the $15.99 one is essentially what HBO Max is right now. It's okay. the same price point. Got it. And it is what it is right now. It's ad free. However, you now no longer get 4K. 
the ultimate ad free, which is the 1999 tier, that's how you get 4K. That's the difference. That's how you get your 4K mm, version okay. that's all of things. 20 it's, bucks it's is a, a price lot. increase. But here's the thing. Like, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I actually don't hate this. Yeah. And here's why. 1599 is what HBO Max already is currently. Okay, fair. This is not a price increase. It, you, if you are getting HBO Max, it's 1599. You're losing 4K though. That's it. You are losing 4K, and that does suck for people. However, for people who don't have the means to play 4K in a way where it would don't have the televisions that would run it or anything, this is a benefit for them. Yeah. Um. This is in the sense that like, well, we don't have to pay extra for that in a sense. Now. 4k was embedded in the 15.99 version before so like it wasn't really a negative for them either so yeah. it is kind of shitty in that extent but like if you don't if you don't absolutely need to watch things in 4k nothing's changing you're fine yeah um you fair. don't have to go up to the 20 dollars version and now there is a 10 dollar ad ad with ads option which hbo max never had before now i don't think it should have but here we are and it will have one and that's whatever it's just but the so important <sighs> thing is that like the base thing is staying the same yeah the base price is the same it just yeah, bums me out that so. like H HBO has been like this like like the premier place for television for like thirty years and like now it's just like every other every other no yeah. for sure like it, there was something special about the fact that like HBO Max had a high buy in price but like it was quality entertainment it's and like premier. no matter what you were watching yeah um including any movie that's available on HBO Max, HBO in general, like everything that's on HBO is on HBO Max. So when a movie has just left theaters and it's on HBO for like those few, like that next year or yeah. whatever, that's on HBO Max, right? So you can watch it there. Now you'll have to watch it with ads if you're not paying for the ad-free version. Yeah, yeah. That's shitty. Um, but if you were already buying it, you were already paying for the ad-free version, nothing changes. Yeah. Um, Max. Yeah, the, yeah, the change is done. Uh, don't call it Max if you keep getting rid of your own content. Because that's not Max. That's less than, less Max. than Max. It's true. It's, it's min. True. It's very mid. 100%. No, min. Min. Like minimum. Minimum. Oh, yeah. Max. It is min. It's like, hey, you remember that really great show that people quote um, that uh, was made by the same guy who made a regular show? Not there anymore. Gone. Min. I love oh, Best hey, World. what about that really cool Seth? Hey, what about that, that uh, nice Seth Rogen movie that was actually pretty wholesome about this guy who. Okay, yeah. real quick. It's not it's not in the in this section of the news, but I will talk about it. The TCM Film Festival started this week. Zaslav was there on stage with Steven Spielberg, and he was talking about the importance of film preservation, which the whole oh. internet was having such a laugh over <laughs> of him being the person talking about it. But the thing is, like, you know, he's there because Turner Classic Movies, that's under the Warner umbrella. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, anyway, he's there talking about the importance of film preservation and what they want to do to keep preserving films. And I'm like, this is laughable that you this lie. dude actually showed up I... and did this. Like, what a, what a chapek move anyway um the other thing about it is that um he also like talked about with this max announcement you know we're going to be putting a, a primary focus that didn't exist before bullshit didn't exist before on like cartoon and animated family content and i'm like dude this already exists and you just strip mind it like what are you talking about you're so up your own ass it's true you strip mind it hell speaking of strip mining a franchise to hell let's talk more about game of thrones prequels y'all as as if canceling like the six other ones that were in production wasn't enough we got a new one a prequel series called a knight of the seven kingdoms the hedge knight is in the works uh the show is based on the series of fantasy novellas by uh, george railroad martin himself which follows the adventures of sir duncan the tall dunk and a young aegon the fifth targaryen egg 90 years prior to the events of a song of ice and fire now let's recollect real quick there's that old man at the wall mm -hmm. and he's like egg I'm blind egg. You remember that guy? Yep. You remember that guy, mm -hmm. Ben? 
Who's that guy? How is he related to these guys? Uh, let's see. He is that is... Aegon? Is, was he Aegon? Is that this guy? He was Aemon Targaryen. Aemon. Okay, it's not him then. Was Aeg- that his brother? Uh, yes. Okay, so he will be. Or is okay, it? Or is it different Aegon? Because there's a bunch of freaking Aegons. But this is ninety years prior, and we know that guy is real. Is like around that age. So yeah. his brother. He's the brother of of Egg. Uh, so he'll show up in 90 years. And he's like 140 in that show. Yeah, it's anyway, right before it's right before this this is, sounds like it's gonna happen sometime before Robert's Rebellion. Yeah. Um, cool. You know, uh it was I didn't include here, I wish I did, but um there's an interview with with R- Railroad Martin, and he was like, you know, I gotta be honest, this HBO's gotta make me mad because like so many shows are in production, not production. It's like I just I just wanna write, I just wanna write and make things like I'm glad something's finally getting made because like three prequels have been have been uh, uh, canceled since I started after Game of Thrones. And I'm just like, I just want things to come out. And I'm like, all right, man, write that book. Uh, moving on to The Conjuring. The Conjuring uh, is apparently coming back with a series, uh, a series based on the franchises in the works. That's all I got. That's, that's okay. all there is. That's all there is. Um, we know that Safran, who is like the shepherd. Uh, Peter. For, yes. Um, shepherd overseer of the Conjuring franchise is still overseeing this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're talking to James Wan about him being a producer on it, but like nothing is official on that. And we all we know is that it's going to pick up on on the stories that we've seen in the movies. But there's no context for that. We have no idea what that means. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit like... If it's not following the Warrens, I don't care. If you want to do a long-form season mystery thing with the Warrens, I'm a little more interested. What if... No, they won't do that. I was like, what if they do, like, a young version with, like, younger actors? But, like, I don't know if, the, if we if we need to do that. That's the only thing I can think of. Because, like, if you're not going to follow the Warrens, are we just going to do, like, a bunch of interconnected stories about all the random shit like that Ed they find? And, like Ed and Lorraine at the beginning of... Their, when they're, like, 22. Their, like, their, their first yeah. love. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. I can see that working. Um, I can see it's working, too. It's. I think it's a tall order to... Honestly, to replace those two actors, only because, like, I think the... Get her sister. They're the thing that's good about the... <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true like she's great she's also already in different no i know films. yeah um uh like and i think she's back for them too if i remember correctly oh, um uh i i i think it's a tall order to replace those two because they are a big part of why people enjoy those films mm-hmm. um the quality of the first two is high but like conjuring three you know, it gets by on their your attachment to those characters. Annabelle comes home is extra enjoyable because yeah. of those those performers. So like, I, it that's depends. Hard. It's going to depend on who like the showrunner and the team is. Like, if it's if it's just like oh James Wan's executive producing, like I won't have as much faith if like he's not directly involved somehow. For um, sure. Like I know David Sandberg is done with superhero movies. If he wants to come and try more horror shit, like he made An- the best Annabelle movie, like. If he wants to come in, if he if wants he, to come and try to do, if TV you tell show, me like David Sandberg is going to do a season of The Conjuring, and if The Conjuring is like each season is its own case, so it's not like a you know, it can, you know, yeah, like we're just focusing on doing the season, and that's the story, and that's it, and then like maybe another season comes out, yeah, down the road, but like it's just the season, it's just this story about this case, yeah, it's um, it's like not not what the MCU does and turns movies into TV shows, but like <clears> it will be a serialized version of one of the movies, it's, right. just, it's like a longer version of one of the movies. I'm picturing stuff, something yeah. like. <laughs> the exorcist show that fox had um which was very good and the two seasons and they're both separate cases and i think they're really good um and if you did something like that with conjuring i can see where it can be very successful i'm just 
a little out on the franchise if you don't have those two in it. I like, I don't know what, what's bringing me back. If, yeah, if the creative team behind God, it... If it's, like, if it's, like, an Annabelle yeah. thing instead. But but why would you call it The Conjuring? Like, you'd be calling it Annabelle. Yeah. Um, so I like, wonder if it's gonna be, like, The Conjuring colon, this is the thing that it's called. Yeah, but, like, if it's The Conjuring, it's, like, if it is The Conjuring. Yeah. Not just The Conjuring universe, The Conjuring. Yeah. It has to have the words in it. So I'm really hoping that that's what it, and honestly, I'm fine with that. If we're done, if we're not going to do another movie with them, you want to bring a good story to a season of television with yep. them. Fine. That can even allow you can pay for them. Like fine. Do you can it. allow for also like have like multiple like mini movies within the whole season. Yeah. Of like, yeah. Yeah. That does. I'm, it could be done here, but again, like I need, I need like a wand. I need like a wand or somebody. Speaking of things that I absolutely want. Sorry, nothing. Ben, do you have any thoughts on the Conjuring show? Yeah. Okay. You'll watch it no matter what. You love that franchise. It's true. It's true. Ben's whole holy in. Speaking of things that I'm not holy in, let's talk about Harry Potter. Oh yeah, we talked about last week and our worst fears have come to realization. Yeah. Um, a new series is in the works at Max. Each season of Harry Potter will adapt one book, described as a decade-long adaptation with obviously an all-new cast. Uh, J.K. Rowling is not going to be the showrunner, but she will be involved in some capacity because she still owns the rights. So I did realize something after we talked about it last week, which is that putting Rowling aside, um, the 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 part where they would really have it, I think, is if this was animated, which sure. is the same thing I said about Percy Jackson. Mm. Um, that like I'm excited about that live action series. Yeah. You are going to hear me rave and be stoked about that live action series. I wish it was animated. There's so much great storytelling in those books that you cannot possibly do in the time span of being able to film those kids. You just can't. Um, and animation allows that. And I realized as I was thinking about this that they're talking like doing this over 10 years, uh, uh, like with these kids. Man. Um, that's going to be so hard with child labor laws yeah. to record this show. Yep, yep, yep. And like, <sighs> that's that's so nuts. It's hard enough making a movie that's two hours long. Making a 10-hour TV show with Every children year. where they can only work like four to six hours a day when most tv shows work like like 12 to 16 hours like illegally but they still do it because they love the craft this there's no way they can do this in 10 years there's no way there's no way if they want to do it not uh, if it's quality not if it's quality for sure uh we're talking about and or filming for 18 months type of shit here man yeah like <laughs> I, I, I like again we're putting aside the rowling stuff like yeah. which is obviously like i don't give a shit about harry potter because of her yeah um but like even in this context, to do this, like, right. this is this is daunting, insane. Yeah, on some level, I'm like, I, this would make more sense to me if you said you were making a dedicated animated version of the, of the books. I'd be like, you know what, that actually makes a lot of sense. But like, and to me, I'm just kind of sitting here going like, especially like the first two years, there's not a lot of material not covered in those first films um, that that the books had. Like when you get later, sure, we start skipping a lot of things. But like in the first book, like. The only thing that doesn't show up in the movie is Peeves the Poltergeist. And outside of that, everything's in that movie. So are we just going to do that movie again as a 10-episode show and just be like, yeah. yeah. Like, again, rallying stuff aside, I'm not going to watch this show. Yeah. But I'm like, this is this is mind-boggling to me. Like, who? I don't know. The, yeah. the thing, only thing I was going to say, I mean, I'm not going to watch it cause, uh, just because I'm not into Harry Potter anymore. Yeah. But if I can say some one positive thing about this because as we all know the, of like three four uh, like four through they took a lot of stuff out of the books 
Um, I specifically remember after reading Goblet of Fire how excited I was to see the Sphinx in the um, in the maze. Because they get significantly longer. Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't blame the movies, but, like, yeah, you're right. Those things will be in the shows because they they have the time now. Yeah. But those first three seasons? Yeah, those are just going to be the movies, but longer, and I'm not for it. Um, The only... Yeah, this is... I hate it. I hate this whole thing. I, I think it's dumb. I think it's, also, it's a bad idea. I get Warner Brothers is like really trying hard to get another franchise, get another big money maker, and I'm just like, just just stop, Warner yeah. Brothers. Uh, they're they're saying that they're going to make a push for like better diversity representation in this show, and I'm like, that's cool. Are you talking like you'll have consistent actors playing the the racially profiled characters that are in the books and so they'll constantly be there but like they're still going to be background characters or are we talking we're going to have a black harry potter like where where what are we talking is it's hermione finally going to be black now this is that's um, going to be the like it's i, I i'm not going to watch the show i don't care like i don't no. care if if like uh, jonathan hickman is writing the show right? right like i'm not i just i'm just here there's so many other like i said last week there's so many other magical things that are available the only way, to me the only I, way I would be doing it is if jk rowling wasn't involved yes. and it was someone like putting their own spin now on the books, taking yes. it in their own unique direction. An adaptation instead of just redoing it, right. which is what this is going to be. Right. Um, I'm really... How do you know, how do you know it's going to be them redoing it? Because they played a teaser for it where they showed the, the John same, Williams music. They showed the same castle from the movies and, and played the, the John Williams music. And I'm like, how is this not just going to be a rehash? What are we doing? Yeah, a new adaptation, but using the same locations and music. Uh, I'm sure it'll have new stuff. It's just, it was a template because they wanted to make it quick. Yeah, but like, like you know who you're marketing to. You're saying like, hey, this is the thing. It's going to be this thing. Yeah. Again, don't don't worry. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, as we said last week, there are still, you know, millions of Harry Potter fans. Like, there are people who don't live on the internet like us who like, they're not as like aware of what JK's done. Like, they saw the, the they read the books as kids. Yep. They saw the movies. Like, they're not as aware. So like, oh, a new Harry Potter show? Sure, I'll watch it. Uh, Again, that Hogwarts Legacy game is one of the fastest selling games of all time. It it sold it sold Elden Ring numbers like real quick. Like it was right. insane. Um, right. and that was not because the nerds bought it; it's because regular folk bought it. Um, and like people didn't respond to those Fantastic Beasts movies because I just don't think they're very good. Right. And like after consistently not being good, people are like I'm just not interested. It's also it's not Harry Potter; it's Newt Scamander. Who cares? Um, right. this being Harry Potter again, I think this at least the first season will be huge, and depending on how good it is, it will very quickly falter out. Um. Grayson has a great comment. Same story, same set. Think it'll just be boring. I agree. Yeah. yeah. That's like it, Harry Potter was always going to be remade. And if it was remade, I always felt like it should be a show of some kind. But yeah. honestly, it animated. It, it didn't even come up to my mind, but like it was always like it should be animated. Um, and like that's how you really take the time to do it because like you're, you're just gonna struggle so much doing this in live action. And I just <sighs> Yeah, it's awful. I have Thanks. no and I feel bad for the kids that are going to get dragged into this culture oh my war God. bullshit. Absolutely. And like, it's not their fault. No. Um, and like, it's going to follow them forever. Man, like, I can't even imagine like how much time and like how much a part of their lives like that, that, you know, the, the original kids, how much they put in the Harry Potter. There's 100% going to be at least one kid who's going, who's casting this, who's going to go through some, some too much internet bullshit. Oh, sure. Um, Especially like, midway, if they're midway through the series, drop out. Yeah. Unfortunately, also, if it, if it is a diverse cast, you know, the, the, the shitheads will go, oh, this character wasn't this. And That's like, the thing is like, you know, you can't you're going to lose win. with another group of people, like the people who are pro Rowling, but don't want a black Hermione. Yeah. Um, even though there's pretense for it now because of Cursed Child, like Word. It, it's it, 
and frankly, like with Cursed Child out there in a black Hermione, like if if one of the main trio is not non-white, yeah, it's gonna be that's really gonna floor me. One hundred percent, I one hundred percent agree. But um, either way, I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah. Uh, hey y'all, watch Motherland Fort Salem, a great show great about show. diverse witches in in a in a military world. Great, great show. Speaking of great things, y'all, Star Wars Celebration happened last week, and there was some runoff. There was some trickle over the week that we're gonna talk about. Yeah, we did not. We were not able to pick up with the news uh that trickled in on monday yeah, yeah so we had to follow up one little more time a couple of star wars bits do, do, doodaloo first we're talking about some comics uh a new star wars event's coming out soon that i'm pretty excited for it's called star wars dark droids dark droids it will be a major crossover event in star wars line the the main miniseries will be written by charles soul and drawn by luke ross those are both people who have done so much gd star wars content luke ross has drawn I feel like almost every miniseries I've ever I've ever seen him do. Uh, uh, he did like he did like Thrawn, and he did Darth Maul, and he's done Vader, and he's done Obi Wan. He's done everything. He's they know great. Star Wars like the back of their hands. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. And Charles Soule, he's, he's incredible all the time. Um, a mysterious new threat called the Scourge corrupts droids, cyborgs, and everything in between, spreading chaos throughout the galaxy. Uh, this is fun because uh, a more detailed description went into um, droids are being affected by the thing that's turning them crazy, but it's happening to the Empire and the Rebellion. So. They, some some people have to team up to stop the droids at times. So like like oh well, the enemy of your enemy is my is, you know that kind of thing, which is going to be really fun. Like as what happens if every droid in the universe went crazy? That's a fun idea. Yeah. Uh, droid sentience. That's a thing we won't talk about this episode. Um, yeah, they're going to be spreading chaos with the galaxy. Uh, uh, this spinoff will go into other ongoing Star Wars titles such as Darth Vader, Doctor Aphra, bounty hunters, and a bunch of one shots between empire and jedi is when because that's because that's where we still are in the comics which is honestly like when this came out i was like god that's true we still are in this we're doing like like five year because it started in like 2015 like basically like five year gaps for each of the movies in the trilogy um Uh, which is but it's but it's nuts to me and like i really want to read all this stuff um Mm -hmm. because i fell behind but like same it's nuts to me how much good storytelling and i've heard a lot of good things about the storytelling happening at this point in time with the comics they've been able to do without han solo on the table yeah um and i think that's really impressive uh and it's I'm so super, much of it i'm super intrigued by it like there's the whole bounty hunter war about han solo and stuff right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh um so i'm i'm all for this really excited about it. if you want to hear more about us talking about why we might be so excited about some of this droid angle stuff go check out our fake nerds watch discussion on the mando episodes four through six that we talked about earlier uh there's definitely some droid talk going on in ig 11 baby this kind of came at exactly the right time for us absolutely yeah uh, some more Star Wars nude, uh, n- nudes. <laughs> the news. The Bad Batch. Uh, uh, they will return for a third and final season. Yeah, uh, I think that's. I haven't watched the second season yet, but like, I'm I'm glad to know like they they're they're setting an endpoint. Like we got our story with these guys. Here it is. Here we go. They got a trajectory. Um, I will say like I didn't mention it too much earlier, but when I was watching the season one finale, um, the 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 last episode of season one, the the one before the two-part finale is um, where they basically discover stormtroopers uh, for the first time and they learn about them and that they're replacing clone troopers with stormtroopers and that they're using clone commanders to train them um, initially and that the clone commanders, like there's kind of an in-canon reason why stormtroopers, at least early stormtroopers suck. It's mm. because clone commanders didn't teach them everything they know because they were like, well, that'd be really stupid of me, wouldn't it? Oh, totally. <laughs> so yeah. clone commanders didn't trust the stormtroopers so they wouldn't teach them all of their tricks. Smart. That's why they suck so bad. Um, Love it. 
it's it's really cool. Um, that episode in particular, uh, I meant to shout this out also. Bad Batch, something I really love about it is that episode features a lot of like the the early like when you're first on the Death Star, hearing like stor- going around and hearing the stormtroopers in in the Death Star, like that music. Um, that there's a lot of that in here. A lot of the very early New Hope vibes. Yeah. And then uh, they when they go back to Camino for the season finale, you get a lot of like John Williams score for Camino comes back around and it's very powerful and effective. Camino lost. Uh, the Bad Batch stuff is really good. I think that they've asked and presented a lot of great questions for like how smooth was for the troopers coming from the clones is the main focus of like that transfer of power where the troop where the clones go away and the troopers take over. But in a bigger way, how ready the Empire was to jump into a militaristic state because of having watched it be successful with the Republic Army. And like looking at it and being like, well, we could take all these pieces and basically rally a mob of people to want to be part of it in a human way um, because they distrust the clones. The clones have a moral compass because they worked with the Jedi. And so they're like, the clones don't quite work for us. We want people who are committed to the cause or feel like they are constricted by fear. Can be manipulated. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's so important to them, uh, which is why Tarkin is one of the people who pushes for the creation of the stormtroopers. Um, it's really, really fascinating. And I think it's a great era to explore of how the Empire was able to mount their military power so quickly as an echo of what the clones were during the Republic Wars. Um so I think that's really cool, and I'm glad that they're, they're like, they've set, hey, we're doing this story at the end. It's not here in the news, but we do know that Ming-Na Wen uh, was announced as a character returning to the Bad Batch as Fennec Shand. Oh, she was, um, she was? She's in the first season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're seeing her again Beautiful. for the third season. Um, people who are watching know that there's going to be, like, I'm very interested in what they're going to do, what kind of lingering questions, because, like, I don't think everybody in the Bad Batch is going to survive their way out of that third season, but somebody is. Sure. Um, and I'm really curious where those characters could turn up next, in particular a character named Omega. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah. There's some really fascinating stuff about, like, where this is going to leave. Again, like, we're talking about all the, like, places for storytelling to go. There's there's some really interesting stuff. I'm wondering what we're going to see next. No, so I'm, I'm super happy for them. I'm glad that they have a solid, like, this will be our final moment. Uh, yeah. Grayson is in the chest saying, oof, I'm looking forward to this. I'm certainly enjoying where they're at in the Bad Batch. I, he wrote that a, a little while ago, so I'm assuming when they find out about the Stormtroopers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in general, just like, uh, I I just like when they're saying with these animated shows, which has happened, you know, now with three of them, only one has not been given like a, yeah, we know we're ending right here and here we go. Um, mm-hmm. And that was Resistance. But like, Clone Wars, uh, ultimately, not at first, but yeah. ultimately did get its ending. Um, and so so too did Rebels and now the Bad Batch. Um, I'm always happy when that happens. And honestly, you know, like one of these closing opens the door for another potential animated series. Who knows where that could be at in Star Wars? Do, 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 do. Um, but I'm very excited. Well, moving on to the more Star Wars, we got a little bit of casting news. And uh, Ahsoka, the Ahsoka show, uh, Wes Chatham has been cast. He's in, He was in Tenet and the TV show The Expanse. He will star as the right-hand man to Thrawn. I'm curious who that is, because he already has a right-hand man to Thrawn, and we saw him in the episode 7. <laughs> His name's Captain Pelion. Um, also, I'm curious, because in the the Star Wars Thrawn novel that I'm currently listening to, uh, despite that, that is a uh, uh, before episode 4, so it doesn't make sense, but he does have a younger right-hand man, and I'm wondering if they're going to bring him in or it's a new different right-hand man or uh i've seen some people theorizing that it's um 
uh, I forget his name, but when we read the Thrawn comic, mm-hmm. um, the there's a guy in the Empire that he uh, pulls out of the Empire and sends to rendezvous with a chiss uh, and meet up with her. And that's just kind of left as like this note that's not picked up again. Oh, because that happens in a later Thrawn book. Yeah, yeah, because that because that Thrawn comic is a uh, is a shorter version of the right. book. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if it could be that guy. Yeah, uh, I forgot. Some some other people have like thrown that out there that like there's enough similar face representation between the comic and and the actor. Yeah, that yeah. I'm like, could be. Bring could more be. bring more chiss in, baby. I love it. I'm all about it. Um, and th- this will take us, y'all. Uh, this is going to take us into trailers, but we have a trailer. Ooh, I'm going to pull it up now. We have a trailer for a little show called Star Wars Visions. I'm going to bring up that share screen now. So all our friends at home, sorry, audio listeners, uh, you can see what we're talking about. Bing bong. No, I don't like this. Can I change this? Siri, change this. Better. Good enough. What do you guys like better? You like this one better? Do you like this one better? We're a little smaller in this one, so maybe we are. It's along, where we're on the side. There you go. I'm just yeah. asking. You know, it's a work in progress. We're gonna talk about Star Wars Visions. Uh, I haven't watched season one. Have any of y'all watched season one yet? I've watched, I watched parts of season one. Parts of season one. Beautiful. Well, we'll be revisiting it soon. We will. Yeah, we are probably gonna talk about season one uh, before this one comes out. Uh, I think this was incredible. Not that the first season didn't look incredible. I just haven't watched it yet. Uh, they're the most um, shocking one to me, which I knew. Like I knew the studio was involved, but the one that I was most fascinated to see and like um really is visually standing out to me is the the Ardman. Oh um, yes, 100%. Uh, yeah. Which is, you know, Wallace and Gromit studio and when we get to the Arden and stuff I'm like, yo, this looks so weird but like somehow a wookie looks so right in Ardman animation. Um it looks nuts. There's a lot of great stuff here. I'm really glad that we're like uh this season in particular uh standing apart from the first one there we are the Ardman, Ardman yeah. stuff. It's um, insane. I can't believe it. It's nuts. I can't believe. Like look how good that he looks um yeah. i want to hug him i want to yeah. hug the wookie uh i i what oh. i'm really excited about is like and we know because of the diversity of these studios like the first season was really great i'm really happy all those creators were involved but it was very like anime leading heavy yes it was. and this season is feels much more like really across the board of like different styles and takes on animation and i'm really really excited one of them it. looks like like an evolution of like what the clone wars look like just a hyper yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like a really good version of what the clone wars look like right uh-huh. I mean, yeah, this definitely makes me excited. This too. is also like that that one in particular where she's facing down the TIE fighter looks really great. Love it. Uh, Art, uh, it's so good. Love it. Yeah, I'm, love I'm it. thrilled. I'm thrilled that like Lucasfilm has embraced this like, let's have fun with Star Wars beyond the lore and the canon. I think this is a wonderful way to explore it because like, all the emotion you feel from all the stuff you're shown in this trailer is still very in tone. Oh, I didn't see the double blade that was part yeah, red, yeah. part orange. Oh, yeah. shit. That was pretty sweet. Uh, yeah. yeah, this looks uh, looks fantastic. Um, I can't praise. I mean, I know I've only seen a few episodes. I've got up to I want to say the twins, which I know is Brandon's. That's his favorite short from the first mm-hmm. season of Star Wars Visions. Right. For what I, I, it's been on my watch list. I need to finish it. And Visions is absolutely stunning for what I have seen. This guy. Looks I good. have to agree with Sparks. That's have. I mean, yes, the first episode, the first season of Visions was very anime heavy. Not to say that's bad. I think that's the first season needs to be very anime heavy because there's been a lot of fan projects out there that take anime inspired um, or that take Star Wars and they turn essentially fan animate it. Anime, anime is an incredibly beloved medium. It makes perfect oh, yeah. sense. Yeah. And now seeing the second season of visions where there's different styles of animation, 
I also think this is great. And also I just love how these are all just one shots are all these episodes. There's no grand arching story. It's an anthology series. You don't have to watch a certain, you don't have to watch one through three to understand what happens in episode six. It's fantastic. And I love that Lucasfilm is laying these animation studios like, Hey, you want to do a star Wars thing? Go nuts. And what I, what I love about it is like, because they're allowed the freedom to do what they want, these can these feel like what if stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like they don't 100%. like like whether they're canon or not. Like I don't even care. It's just like the fact that they don't have to be strict with what they can do is just like it is so nice to see like Disney like allowing this to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I just love the creative freedom I'm seeing in so many different different things. I'll be honest I mean, with I, you. I really wish Gendy would get to come back for one of these. Oh shit! Like get back oh, and like man. be able to do yeah. something completely unrestrained. Yeah, I I, oh, I see it in my brain. Yeah, I can um, see that happen absolutely. To go back to season one a little bit, like one of one of my the favorite stories I've seen. I love the twins arc. I think the twins is great, but story wise, Rodents kick ass. Oh, for sure. I love because well, like it's I the most loved pure... that Rodents. I loved that Rodent story. You can't get more pure, like, what are the Jedi than, like, going back to the source of samurai. Yeah, so, like, 100%. of course. Yeah. Star Wars yeah. Visions, looking high. Looking I, hot. I need, looking very hot. It's definitely, this is my reminder to finish season one so I can watch season two. Well, well again, we're going to be talking about it. So if you want to be there, Ben, uh, we'll, you'll be there with us. Moving on to some Vimeo, video games, Vimeo memes. Y'all, let's talk about let's talk about role-playing. Let's talk about music. Let's talk about Telltale. This isn't made by Telltale, but it's the type of game it is. Let's, let's talk about talk- Stray gods. Let's talk about something that is wholly new. I've never heard of this style of video game before. Or at least, oh no, that's like I have played the style of video game, but it's done so differently. And the musical theater nerd in me is jumping for joy. Yeah. yeah. I don't I mean I just played Hi-Fi Rush, Hi-Fi Rush, which is a musical game. I don't think I've ever played a game that is a musical. No, I don't think that's I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure it exists like in the indie world, but like mainstream. Like it's only rhythm games. Like this is a musical. That's a game, right? Yeah. Uh, this whole time I'm like, what is going on here? Like, what's the gameplay? It's like, oh no, you're they're singing, and your choices affected the the lyrics of the music. And I'm like, that is so ingenious. It's so cool. So, and um, I love real, the look of it. Real quick, Ben. So like our main character that you're seeing in most of the trailer here, she is right by a friend of hers who passes away, mm-hmm. and she is given the power that she had, which is the power of the muse. Yeah, quiet. Now she's she's beholden to the Greek gods, and yeah. uh, and and like I, I mentioned to Sparkshot, like the art style, it is it is wholly unique, but it does remind me of Hades, and only so that all the gods are super sexy in Hades. I think it's, I think it's like between Hades and Lore Olympus for me. Lore Olympus, oh, you're home said yeah. Uh, but yeah, these are all like hot gods doing drama, singing, fighting, uh, all in like, look at this voice cast. Like it's like half of these people are from <laughs> Critical Role. So you know, it's going to be dope. Troy Baker's in it. He's in everything. Yeah. Uh, I love the look of this game so much. Uh, I am super, super stoked for this one. Yeah. This I, one. I think this is super unique. Um, really, really cool. I'm glad you, you, I, it was you show this one. Yeah. I caught this uh, earlier this week. But I really, really hope this one lands and hits hard and people start talking about this because i feel that a lot of times we see a lot of games that have a very unique style a very unique thing and it's like oh this is cool and then we never hear anything about it ever again and i really 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 hope that this is a game that breaks through that barrier and becomes so well known it's like no let's this spark this starts something 
I only really on for that. Only on PC, unfortunately. Right. But that's okay. I have <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure well, and I honestly I honestly would need to take more time to look back into it, but I'm pretty sure what this was was like there's a three years ago proof of concept video that came out. Um and I believe they were like looking for funding. Like this was getting a, a Kickstarter GoFundMe kind of thing uh to get off the ground and it, it got wild success. Mm-hmm. Uh and so here we are with the game and it looks awesome. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all yeah, humble game, humble bundle. Yeah, yeah, yeah love it. Yeah. Uh, very unique. Looks fantastic. Um, ooh, let's let's uh, guys, let's go to camp. <laughs> and by that, not not the uh, camping with tents. I mean, let's go to movie camp where things are stupid and silly. We're gonna talk about Resident Evil Death Island. Um, I'll be honest. I don't think this trailer looks particularly good, but what it does look like is a lot of fun. Because the thing about this one is, this is like the first time that all of the main Resident Evil cast are together uh post you know resident evil 6 like in the relaunch uh re- reboot era after 7 uh with all of their new looks after all the remakes so this is a brand new looking chris redfield this is not what chris normally looks like uh it is a very modern like hey this is resident evil in 2023 that's awesome uh it looks really dumb <laughs> in the um, best way I, uh I, this i think is the same animation studio that made the the previous resident evil thing yeah, that yeah, came yeah. Out on like netflix and everything yeah where they're yeah um so that one like comparatively yeah, i watched that episode one was and so, i didn't like it. that one was so like still very very serious and and yeah uh this feels like a fun time uh-huh like it it feels kind of like a sci-fi movie um for resident evil but like i'm, I'm kind of down for that especially like you are getting like all these main characters together yeah uh it, it is um it is basically like like fan service the resident evil movie but again like that's okay because it's not a very serious franchise. Like again, like Chris Redfield, someone who punches a boulder in the middle of a volcano fight, right? Like he, to to explode it before it crushes it. Hey, like, and you're getting a bunch of Gilman. Yeah, look at that Gilman. Um, I just love yeah. Um, Resident Evil has always had like giant like mutated uh, spiders and sharks and snakes. Give me, and give me a big T virus shark anytime. Hell yeah, like a whole fleet of them. Um, yeah. liquors. Look at all these liquors. It looks great. I think the animation. Uh, it does look considerably better than that. I think it was Resident Evil. Enter the Darkness or something for Netflix, but okay. this looks much better. The bad guy, by the way, almost looks like Kevin Bacon. Sure, and I kind of wish it was. Hell yeah, on purpose. Hell yeah. Uh, what's up, Ben? Sorry, we've dominated. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say this looks fun. Uh, yeah. it, it, it feels like that Resident Evil crossover you wish would happen with all the main protagonists coming together, and they, it's like they have to band together to stop this this giant. It's like the Resident Evil Avengers. It, it is Resident Evil Avengers. Like, that is exactly what this oh, is. And like, also, the, the setup shot where they're all like pointing their guns forward, it's it's basically the Avengers like pan around shot, but for is. Resident Evil characters. It is. And even yeah, like this the is, last... Yeah, this is the Avengers shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you have like that giant fin just swooshing around and everyone's yeah, yeah. ducking uh-huh. and dodging. Um, I, I do agree this does look very campy, but also it looks very fun. Um, I, I might watch this to be perfectly honest, just because it's like, this is neat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it just looks like I, a, I, it feels like the kind of thing that's going to be very like friendly to the fans. So yeah, you know, happy for the fans. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of being fi- family friendly, you didn't say that, but I, I said family friendly. Family friendly. Family friendly. Let's talk about Crater. I only want to touch on this briefly, uh, personally. Um, Crater for Disney Plus. The reason that I find this really charming and appealing is that I can't think of another space film that's like actually 
prominently featured kids and put them in sincere like we're in space danger sure, like sure. like the meteor shower coming down on them and that kind of thing and i'm like i don't think there's been a space movie that's really done that in a sincere way so yeah. like I'm, I'm kind of into this yeah i think uh i think it looks like really well made and like for being like a kid's product like it's not like talking down to kids like it's talking it's like talking with kids right it feels like like once they're out there i feel like there is an amount of like survival Danger. these are the people who you're going to want to count on now yeah uh and that's pretty cool because like the isolation and space thing can still be translated over to like kids being out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that could be, that could be pretty entertaining. Obviously they won't go really, really dark with it, no. but like you can still play with that very sincere tension. Like these kids are out very far on their own in Absolutely. a dangerous zone. Like yeah. that's still really cool. Um, it reminds me of like, and it comes with like the childhood wonder, like of space wrapped yeah. into that so you get like both things so i think that's really nice it says that you know from a producer of stranger things but like it does give me like you know you know like stranger things like goonies vibes like a bunch of kids going on an adventure this one just I, happens to be in space i, I was just space. about to say that space holes yeah I, I was just about to say this feels like one of those 80s movies where you got a kid or a bunch of kids going on an adventure and it turns into a coming of age story where they where they essentially the adventure tackles whatever in problems they're dealing with on the inside and then they they all learn a very valuable lesson or they come to realize a very important truth. And to me, it, it, and to me, this trailer and since it's from the producers of stranger things, those guys nailed it. And they're like, Hey, let's take those great eighties coming of age stories that we know and love and put a bunch of kids on the moon because why the hell not? Who doesn't want to go to the moon? Yeah. Here's the other thing uh, about it is like, it's a very brief trailer. These kids all feel like real kids. Yeah. Like they don't feel like, adult ideas of kids that are like really you know typified and like they're making like these are kid jokes but like womp 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 like they they feel real yeah um in a tangible way so i'm 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 hopeful for this this seems really really nice yeah i meant my More friend just in jumped space. i agree i'm here on... comes skeleton crew i wish this show uh uh it's a little it's a little uh uh not not for me just because it's it's for kids but like if i grew up watching the show this would probably be my favorite show because space is my favorite thing like i can't imagine being like a kid trapped with kids like in space like it's, it seems like a really good time yeah speaking of a good time but for adults mm. yeah let's go back in time to the 1970s new york john wick is just a little baby boy in his mama's diapers Wait, his mom doesn't wear diapers. He wears diapers. Uh, but it's from the world of John Wick, the Continental. <laughs> it's the John Wick prequel series that has been in development like since John Wick one. Uh, I feel like we've been talking about this thing for literal years. Um, we're finally we here, um, and this is mostly a vibes trailer. Um, I it, I am so excited for this show. It could end up being bad, but this trailer gave me all the vibes of like, yo, old school Tommy guns, you know, ninja swords, but it's like in the seventies, like mm -hmm. the old school style, the aesthetic, like Lincoln Continentals, like big fur coats. Love it. Like Godfather assassins. Love it. Yeah. I would say this trailer passes the vibe check. Yeah. Uh, I'm more hopeful knowing it's just a three part event rather than them like trying to drag it into, to a full show. I didn't like, realize that. Like a, making yeah. it a limited event. I'm like, yeah, it's like, okay. Um, uh, it's like a BBC Doctor Who where like there's like three hour and a half long episodes. I feel like there's a lot less expectation on like, especially with a show like this, like having to prop up you like who who are your main characters and they'll have to survive kind of thing. Yes. Like it's it a could free be part event, like anything can happen. Yeah, it can be about the world. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad we're finally here. Um, I, I just hope it's good. Speaking of things that I hope are also good, let's talk about Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai. Do you cute. guys... Like gremlins, because I 
full of gremlins. Never seen it. God damn it. God man. damn it. Man. Every day. No, I'm uh, I every week. I Fe- it feels like I, every week. I love Gremlins, specifically like Gremlins 2, because they yeah. those are kids' movies that are not kids' movies. Right. Those are kids' movies that scare the shit out of kids. Right. Uh and like that's that old 80s aesthetic of like, yo, we're for kids, but we're not afraid to scare kids. Real quick, because it was just in the trailer. Uh-huh. There's the shot where they show like where all the Mogwai live. And I'm yes. like, that's exactly what I picture Yoda play- Grogu! planet to be like. Dude, I swear to God, I thought, oh, it's Grogu's planet, 100 yeah, yeah. Um I'll say like I think this trailer is charming. I think it's cute. Again, I don't I don't think it's for me because while it has all the the accessories of a gremlins like thing i don't think it's going to be dark enough for what i want it to be right um i know steven spielberg is an executive producer but in this day and age that just means his name's attached to it so like i don't know how much he's actually involved this looks like a fun you know it reminds me of like one of those dream work like kung fu panda or like troll hunter shows like it, i'm sure it's going to be fine but like uh, i it's not what i expected a gremlin show to be it is much more about like the lore and i just don't care about the lore at all. there's also there's also an amount where like you know, going to the world and like the magical realm opening up and all this kind of stuff. Yes. Where I'm like, it's, this it's is a little bigger. This is a little more bombastic than I like my Gremlins content yeah, to be. I don't, personally, no, I agree. I don't. I don't mind you delving into like like more of like the history or whatever, but like I don't want this. Like I don't want like this is not what I wanted. And again, it's a kid show, so like it's not for me. It's like you know, seeing a bunch of like uh, fun, happy, evil Gremlins as opposed to like demonic Gremlins is still probably going to be fun. Um, but I just. I really like that dark comedy sensibility that Joe Dante made with those two. Uh, oh, yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, there we go. Uh, I think it like I like the animation style. I think again, like it looks charming. Just like I, I hope it, I hope it is darker than what it's leading on because that's what that's what Gremlins is to me. You know what I mean? I, I also I like the design of uh, Gizmo in his cute form, but I'm not as crazy about all the darker sides. Uh, they're they're in, their, fine. in their animation like he looks really good to me yeah in translation in this animation and the others are like hit or miss depending on which one i'm looking at yeah big fit oh one turns into a giant fish interesting yeah there's yeah. a whole it is the interesting yeah like making this into a much bigger thing with like actual like magic and i'm like i'm sure that's fine i don't know if that's what i personally wanted for a gremlin right ben i'll make you watch gremlins one and two one of these days they're i think you will like them a lot they're they're Maybe just, when this comes out, we'll do another franchise thing. Yeah. Uh, any excuse to watch Gremlins again, because uh, uh, incredible stuff. Ooh, Ben, do you want to get scared? Want to talk to me? Want to talk to me about no, it? No, no. <laughs> Yo, this trailer no, was no, no, awful. No, 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 no. The, this trailer's so good. The second I saw A24, I'm like, I'm out. Oh, I'm the, out. Hand? the yeah, hand? Yeah, the hand. Yeah, this. This oh. part. No. <laughs> i'm out really i'm good. out no 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 you mean you mean you're so in you mean you're so excited no, I mean, Rogu, no. yes, yes yes no i i need to watch marcel the show with shoes on i need to watch that i don't need to watch another a24 film that's gonna mess me up psychologically no so this so talk to me looks really fun because it's like hey kids do seances all the time you know like like oh like we're a bunch of kids having fun like uh this is interesting because it's like they've invented something they've they've invented something that like works yeah. and they've they've done it before and it's like we're gonna keep doing it and we're videotaping it's so like we know we're in, we're letting spirits in uh so it's really cool no to, person can do it more than 90 seconds nope yeah there's like a time limit like it is like a game with with the dead and it's like that's a really fun modern take on like the ouija board yeah of like we can actually we can talk to the dead we figured out how to do it uh uh who's next right don't think about the ramifications <laughs> who's next looks how about how about the girl whose mom recently passed away in a in a really tragic way maybe she should talk to the dead yeah uh 
the vibes in this trailer were immaculate, and by that I mean they're awful. I love it. Uh, again, A24 has never disappointed me, there's especially a, with horror. There's a pull quote that's like, it takes you, uh, guides you by the hand straight into hell, and I'm yeah. like, wow, all right. And I love <laughs> that. Kidding. I can't wait to sit in the theater next to Ben. Oh. Oh, yeah, and what I love about it, it's like it's like a mannequin hand, and like the demon has is like part, looks part mannequin. Like their yeah. face is like half a mannequin face, and I'm like, right. ooh, if it's one thing I hate, it's mannequins. So this movie's got me in the bag. Ooh, yeah. Uh, ben, it's skin crawling demonic horror. I can't wait. Yeah, for good luck in me to the theater with this one. Ben, uh, Ben, I, I I do think this looks like pretty intense, and it's and it's going to be a dark, bad time. Um, no way in hell do I think Evil Dead Rise isn't going to mess you up more. Oh yeah, <laughs> like and you're queen. definitely doing that one. Oh, and that one's going to ruin you. Talk to me as Gremlins Rise of the Mogwai. I think you're going to come out of Evil Dead Rise being like, oh, can we go see? Talk to me, please. A changed man, you will be. I'm gonna uh, come out of I'm gonna come out of the beach getting to having so many more drinks in Hawaii than I'm originally going to have. Uh, yeah. Speaking of taking trips, you know who's not going to Hawaii? Every person on the last voyage of the Demeter, um, which is a new Dracula movie. Oh, yeah. hold on, wait a second, Dracula movie. I put my things <laughs> on. Um, this is an awesome idea because this is a single chapter in Bram Stoker's Dracula novel about how Dracula got from Romania, Transylvania to uh, England. America? Yeah, uh, to England. Um, England. England, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, just making a whole movie about all of these doomed men is an awesome idea that I you love. See it, you see it for a quick flash in Renfield. Um, it's true. As done in the original Dracula movie, where it doesn't get a lot more time there either. Um, yeah. It's a pretty quick bit. Yep. But like here, it's going to be a whole movie. And I think this is really a cool idea. I love it, yeah. Um, you would, because we know what's going to happen, but we don't know how it's going to happen. You would think that's with movies and stories like this that people would be like, oh, we all know what's going to happen. But for for some reason, after seeing this trailer, I was like, I'm interested, even though I know the fate of all these characters, or maybe one or two characters somehow survive, they get off the boat, they jump ship, and the ship just lands in London as it was supposed to. But seeing how everyone doesn't know what's going on or who Dracula is, or some people know who Dracula is. But the whole we have to find it and you're stuck on this ship and it's this monster is still skittering around and getting away every time, even though it's a small ship or a smaller yeah. ship. It is very intense. And even seeing this trailer was very intense. I'm like, I actually am kind of digging this. I want to see this. And also, I really do like the vampire design a whole lot. Yeah, I am. Um, I am so stoked for this because my favorite horror movie, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, it's all about paranoia and who you can trust and like being stranded and like nobody can help you no matter what. And I got a lot of the same vibes from this one. And what I love is that like they're they're expanding it so much where like we are seeing people being bitten by Dracula, turning into vampires and dying with the sun. So there's going to be an aspect of like, can I trust this person? Like they got bit, but like we don't know what's happening to them. So like so much is going to happen. And like, again, we know what happens. Like none of these people survive as far as we know uh, from that book. Again, it's like it's one chapter, but like, I guess someone can jump off a ship and survive. I think it's more a more tragic story if like everybody escapes and Dracula just walks off that ship like it's nothing. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a spicy movie. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm oh, excited yeah. about this. Um, the writer of this film has been trying to get this film made since 2002. Um, he he had the idea to expand on Chapter 7 of Dracula into this story uh, since then. But one of my favorite things about it is that uh, someone is Renfield on this boat. Yes, somebody's Renfield, and you don't who's know who's Renfield. Is it? The and most I'm really person? into that too. Is it David? Is Del it David Desmalchen? <laughs> um, I'm. Also, I'm just gonna say um, the guy who plays um, Sir Bor. Um, is it Sir Boros? No, 
Liam Cunning, Cunningham, Liam, Liam Cunningham. Yeah, Liam Cunningham yeah. from Game of Thrones, who played the Onion Knight, is in this movie, and I'm glad to see him again. Yeah, yeah, he's playing the captain. He's definitely not Renfield. There are a couple who I'm like, well, they can't be Renfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, it's the dog. I'm, I'm really, I'm really intrigued. I'm really intrigued by like. There's also this added like, yes, Dracula is on the ship, and Dracula's among us, and that's dangerous, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I love a good like monster on a ship. Uh, kind of idea when it's executed well and this looks like it might just be executed pretty well yeah got a lot of period stuff going and working for it but another thing i love is like knowing somebody like you compared to the thing yep. uh when we talked about this like knowing somebody is shitty and like deceiving everyone but not knowing who it is and uh you have that potential with renfield because uh, this is a renfield who's like on board with uh making sure dracula Dude, succeeds i can imagine like the final confrontation being like the final survivor and they think they won and then renfield comes up and like like nah and just like kills the person right yeah yeah and then dracula's like thanks renfield appreciate you right uh I, this is there's no way this isn't going to be some tragedy we don't so so i say that then because like they're not telling us who's been cast as renfield yeah um but he's whoever, be, he's whoever's playing shit. renfield has not been credited love it so it could be anybody we love a good mystery um speaking of things that aren't a mystery anymore let's talk about the electric mayhem yeah and dr teeth and his first record guys i'm really happy that i think for the first time in the disney plus era i feel like we're really doing some good muppets content um like 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 a plus muppets content um you've got so many good celebrity cameos whether that's like music musicians or actors uh actors there's so many Lil good Nas. there's so many good cameos going on here which is like always fun with the muppets is just to see these people do it fun fact first time al yankovic has finally worked with the muppets finally they got him it took uh, only 45 years <laughs> it took so long but it's finally happened but i love the premise of this i love the idea that you know the electric mayhem is beloved around the world except they've never made an album yeah <laughs> and this impetus like you you know you guys should really make an album people would love that and uh i think that's a great setup for like this and they're trying to help them make it but they can only apply like modern music ideas to it and like that's just you gotta just let the electric mayhem cook the way they cook yeah they got a song called uh exit the exit light song mm-hmm. that's like it's it's such a hot bop uh, uh and i just hope it gets used somewhere in this yeah i love it integrate uh i love you animal i i love it i love the idea especially of like uh all right cool we got like our our drum beat from like that one tap animal does and we're just gonna use that over and over again and animals like this is not how you do drums um (laughs) i i think that they really work as like you are able to take what is essentially a band parody of bands from 40 years ago yeah and because they are the muppets they're still working today so they can just go through like culture shock of the music career i think it's genius i really really do i i love i i was kind of nervous about a muppets property that's only focusing on the electric mayhem but i think it's actually a really great idea yeah i I love it i think they're great Uh, it is cool that they're they are like branching out instead of just like the core guys uh good for good for you dr t also the the last joke with kevin smith makes me crack the heck up uh do not look at this camera immediately. oh you look, look at, at this camera and stare at it blankly yeah. uh ben any thoughts on muppets mayhem um sorry because i just got i'm trying i'm talking with uh grayson privately right now because apparently our stream got interrupted i mean they oh. can still hear us because i just got an email in the fnp saying that because we were showing copyrighted material they cut it at least they cut the at least they cut the visuals grayson's saying we're back now but going back to electric mayhem i love this trailer 
Sure. I think this trailer is absolutely hilarious. And just the, the the idea of a band never recording an album, yet all these artists are talking. I mean, it is the Muppets. So, of course, all these IRL artists are like, yeah, like, I for, was was that a, was that Tommy Lee from Motley Crue who lifts yeah. up his shirt and mm-hmm. shows up the, yeah. the tattoo? I'm like, oh, yeah. that's awesome. That's just hilarious. And I am really looking forward to watching this because I think this is just great Muppets comedy with uh, Mr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem. Right. I agree. I or agree. is it Mr. Teeth or Dr. Teeth? Dr. Dr. Teeth. Yeah, with Dr. Teeth. And Dr. Cool. Give him respect. <laughs> Speaking of respect, we're not going to watch any more trailers <laughs> because YouTube sometimes really sucks. It's specifically for the last couple of trailers because uh, Nintendo has been going really hard on demonetizing really big, big million YouTubers. So like, I'm not right, even going to yeah. try to pretend to watch sure. uh, a trailer next. But the next trailer that we are going to discuss, it's Peter Pan and Wendy. Oh. Let's, let's talk about Peter. I, yeah, I moved the bigger trailer no, 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 later fine. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Peter Pan and Wendy. I'm going to be honest, y'all. I got no love for Peter Pan. I don't care about Peter Pan at all. This looks like a lovely movie. This looks like a good, a good a representation of what that is. Uh, I like the director a lot, so that gives me faith. Yeah. I got some love for Peter Pan. I mean, I grew well, that that was a classic film when I was a kid. Um, I might give this a shot. This looks really decent. If I had anything to say, I maybe would say maybe I wish it was a little bit more colorful. But at the same time, it's I'm pretty sure if the action's there, the humor's there, the wit is there, and uh, I'll look forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with this right now, to be honest with you. Um, I'm a, I am a big Peter Pan fan. Um, and this feels like they're bringing an amount of uh, a good consideration from like wider pan history. I like that this does feel to me like they are putting the focus so much more on Wendy, um, which like I like the Peter Pan film that came out like a while ago, back when we were in high school. Um, I like it fine. I think it's a pretty good adaptation, but um, it's not... Uh, it's it's not at all really like a story about the darlings mm-hmm. and this feels like it's a story about the darlings yes and i really really appreciate that i think that's really cool mm-hmm. um so i i think that that can be a lot of fun i i think jude law we got to see a lot more of what he's doing with hook and i think it's fun here i think jim gaffigan as smee is a genius cast oh yeah sure sure, sure. um and to, to top it all off like this just doesn't look like the animated film to me it doesn't look like we are taking the Disney animated film and making a movie. There, there are elements where like we're alluding to that, but like those are all images that are in Peter Pan to begin with. Yes, There's yes. nothing where I feel like they made something for the animated film and they are copycatting it into here. So also, uh, just to comment real quick about on the coloring, uh, I would agree, but uh, David Lowry, who directed this, directed The Green Knight and Pete's Dragon, yeah, and he okay. is a director who uses muted colors. Like that is just his aesthetic. So like, I think for this, for like this director, it's not like they're doing this on like, we're taking the color out. That's his style. Not only that, it's like, a little more grounded looking. Yeah. Not only that, I find like when they're on Neverland, it looks like much more naturalistic coloring. And yes. I really oh, yeah. like it. It feels like it's very like, it's defining it feels Neverland. like a real place. It's, it's defining Neverland in a way I don't think it's been defined on screen before because it's always been made very fantastical and bombastic. And here it feels like just like Ireland, beautiful nature. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, when they do get to Neverland and it starts flying and they start flying around over the over the show over the coast, it's like that's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I wish again this could be a big theater movie, but like, they're yeah. definitely taking a, a a big step away from how the Indians are usually portrayed, um, just in appearance. So what we're going to see with Tiger Lily, I'm very interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we might just be taking a, this might be where we reach real realm of adaptation. We might not be doing anything even kind of like with the original book. 
let alone like the films that were adapted after. Mm-hmm. I think this might really take it in a different place. Um, and I think that's awesome if that's true. Yeah. Uh, but I'm what I'm most interested in is if it will continue what I think is a beloved tra- tradition of, of Peter Pan storytelling, which is that whoever plays Captain Hook always plays uh, Wendy's father. Oh, and sure. I'm really hoping that that's still something embedded into this story because it, it helps bring that focus really about the darlings and what's going on with Wendy because this is a story really about Wendy's choice to not grow up. Yeah, the yeah. Disney animated film doesn't hit that as hard, but this is a choice of this is about Wendy being at this precipice of deciding who she's going to be. Um, and this film looks like that's really going to push that idea. Uh, I'm super intrigued by it. I, I, I I'm genuinely charmed. And I'm kind of sad that they only put it on Disney Plus. Yeah, that is a bummer. For this one. For this one, this looks like, I'll hold off on saying for sure, but like, if I like this when it comes out, I'm going to be really sad that this went to Disney Plus instead of getting a a chance in theaters. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because just like you, I like David Lowry. I love Pete's Dragon. And I really enjoyed The Green Knight. So I think it'd be a shame if this is a a knockout and they put it here. Yeah, just to to die on them. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of things that uh, aren't being sent to die... Ben, it's time to talk. We briefly talked about well, we didn't briefly talk about it. We talked about it either last week or the week before, but a full ass Tears of the Kingdom, The Legend of Zelda trailer was released. Released. You mean to t- you mean a uh, game of the year for 2023, right? Oh, I don't know, Ben, Mr. Oh, actually it might be Final Fantasy 16. I saw your Twitter. I saw it. I'm still I'm still confident that Zelda will be game of the year. No, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty com- I'm, I'm pretty confident too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Final Fantasy 16 looks like it will put up a decent fight, but everything like this third trailer for Breath of, for, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom mm-hmm. was just, there's still Spider-Man 2 at the end of the year. Also. Bro, no, it's no, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's not, it's not going to be as good as this. dear. Yeah. Um, I cannot explain how hyped I am for Tears of the Kingdom. I cannot explain how, I am ready for this game. I am ready to see because a lot of the a lot of the speculation when Breath of the Wild was coming out was what happened? Is there Ganondorf? Are we seeing a Ganondorf? And the fact that we are getting Ganondorf, like we see him full on, and the entire internet is going, damn, he's hot. It's like <laughs> it's like the secret SpongeBob. I was like, imagine him in his underwear. Ding. Oh no, oh, he's no. hot. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, I'm yeah, I, I'm ready. I'm it just I'm ready. Let's go. Um I got emotional for the first time I watched this trailer. And that that rarely happens for video game trailers. Um, not not like, I love video games just as much as movies, but like just, you know, video game trailers don't often hit me that way. Um, the music in The Legend of Zelda is iconic and it's incredible. And this trailer um, uses so many uh, of the of the, uh, of the melodies and themes from Zelda in different ways, but also like reimagines them. There's a saxophone in this trailer that goes so hard. Um, I love it. Um, Breath of the Wild is already one of the greatest games of all time because of the player freedom, the, uh, oh, you see that mountain? You can actually go and climb that mountain. You can do whatever you want. The story is there. It's it's not it's not as important as other games, but it's again, it's not the point. You can play that game for, you can go straight to Ganon if you want to fight him immediately, uh, or you can spend 100 hours preparing yourself to fight him. It is a game of, of full creative freedom. That is my favorite thing about video games. And this game is like quadrupling that in every capacity. The things you can do in this game are just some things I've never seen in a video game before. The fact that you are making robots, you are making your own mechs that you can use, that you can build and use to walk around. There's rockets, there's there's planes, there's boats, there's rewinding time. There's definitely, Ben, we saw Hyrule Castle in its full glory 
Like, there's definitely time travel shit happening in this game. With Ganon, we see different types of Zeldas. Like, she's like, I don't know what's happening with the story, but it seems like they're putting not more effort because it's not like they didn't put effort, but they are putting more importance of the story Emphasis. in this game. Emphasis, yeah. thank you, in this game. Um, on top of this is like this is the biggest game they've ever made. They said like this is the biggest file size for any Nintendo game of all time. This game is massive. Um, and if it's if it's another great Breath of the Wild. That's already a game of the year. If you give me a better version of that, I don't know what can beat it. FF16 looks great. That game is doing so much effing stuff in it. That is a huge, massive, throwing everything in the kitchen sink into it. So, like, that game is trying to operate on a lot of things. Breath of the Wild, like, we know what we're doing. We don't need, we don't need to, we don't need to go that hard. We'll, we'll, we'll focus yeah. on what's good, make it better, give you a great product, uh, and we'll make the story better. Um, I think this looks incredible. Zelda's line of Link, you need to find me just pulled at all my heartstrings especially in, in in breath of the wild i made it a point to find all the memories i made it a point to find to know exactly the relations between zelda and link leading up to um when gant when calamity gan was unleashed upon the castle i made it a point to real to know what happened to my friends and dear god every time i would i would save a divine beast and their ghost would appear and they would talk to me even with rivali who most of the game i wanted to punch in the stupid beak because god i hated his guts ne then i saved this thing like i miss you now i hate you but i miss you the thing and oh, the, the trailer that that like besides all the great creative stuff that got to me was um we play a lot of ps playstation games that have companions like god of war last of us you have companions it looks like you got some of the chat in, this, in some of that shit in this game because you see all of your all, all the the champions from the last game and they're your homies and you're hanging out with them and they're battling with you and you i'm like the, the leader oh of the gerudo you have an, you got um, the sexy a, fish man seabon or whatever his name is i love uh, that dude you got mifa's brother you have that one goron who is a descendant of the your friend you have i yeah. want to say Rivali's descendant all the homies are here all of these all these guys ready to fight alongside you again and just this and just the sheer size of the map of hyrule going above and below in the skyland up in the the sky everything about this game is just just constantly just constantly blowing my mind more that... fun speculation uh, uh i brought up either like the first time the trailer was mentioned or whatever but like was ganon the hero of the past and if you look in this trailer there is a mural of old school ganon uh with his crazy red locks with a sword and with a golden girl next to him fighting off the armies you mean and Ganondorf, like, right Ganondorf, yes thank you i'm mm -hmm. the ganon again you know what i mean yeah, i always get the, yeah. their name confused, but like he's he's he is the hero from the past or whatever uh and he be. did something and he took in the evil to stop it, and then he became evil because of it uh and if that is what they're doing what people have been speculating for all this time that's incredible making that your villain the, the hero the entire time at the end like that is some like because uh, the thing is ganondorf has always been the bad guy ever since yeah. he, i want to say when he was first introduced i if i correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure the first time we saw ganondorf as we know ganondorf who he is it was an ocarina of time because in every game before um, prior to that be it the original legend of zelda uh especially links to the past okay. i don't think they fought him in zelda 2 adventure of link it was always ganon the giant pig demon that you fight yeah. and of course he's the end fight of ocarina of time as well but when we, see, but seeing Ganondorf as the tragic hero, who took in the evil and became evil, and he became the very thing he wanted to destroy, that brings a great um, story thread that Zelda games haven't really touched upon 
and honestly i mean they've brought in different story threads like uh, my favorite zelda game is link between worlds where the main antagonist of the game isn't really the main antagonist of the game it's a, a literal she becomes sorry it's a little spoiler alert for a game princess hilda is the final boss the opposite of princess zelda mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i am ho- i like knowing nintendo of what because zelda especially with zelda games they do so little with story and yet it, those little stories become such large impacts oh yeah to the video game world it's nuts it's i don't know how nintendo was able to do it because even like when we were talking about harkening back to our super mario brothers movie review whereas nintendo has somehow found the magic secret sauce with their mainline games mario and zelda that they can give you so little but it makes such a big impact on gaming as a whole i'll tell you why because at the end of the day they're video games and not movies it's why something like elden ring and the dark souls franchise can be one of the biggest franchises in the world and it also has very little story because mm-hmm. again at the end of the day you're here to play a game yes story is important to a lot of people but like at the end of the day you're still here to press buttons not listen to people talk right like True. you're here to play video games um and that nintendo for better or worse is always focused on video on the gaming aspect first and, and i would say for the the positive for the most part because like i got playstation if i want really heavy narrative stuff nintendo's not good at that you don't need to do that you guys make great video games they do they really do <laughs> um their practices every once or not every once in a while a lot of the times are kind of eh, but you're damn right they make fantastic video games and tears of the kingdom is definitely gonna be one of those games where that weekend um don't talk to me because <laughs> i'll be busy playing i'll be blasting through metroid prime so i can buy tears of the kingdom without a guilty conscience and a backlog and jedi survivor comes out in two weeks shit you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's in trouble. He's got Mega Man sitting right behind him. <laughs> my well, luckily with that, when I played most of those games already, this one I was just like, I'm glad to have it, so I have I can replay those games should I oh, want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, no, I get but, it. But but uh, yeah, my bank account is going is already just like giving me the bombastic side eye from my trip next week. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a hot quarterly when we talk about. It all is those. gonna be the hottest quarterly, dear god speaking of hot quarterlies that's a terrible transition to talk about our final trailer of the night y'all it's marvel studios the marvels oh shit that did come out this week let's get intergalactic why don't we Mm -hmm. i was i was so happy about tears of the kingdom i forgot about the marvels yo this looks great yeah don't you tell me to smile um, I'm so glad I watched Miss Marvel because I learned on the internet this week that not a lot of people watch Miss Marvel mm-hmm. because they're like, wow, she seems really fun. And I'm like, y'all missed an entire show that she was in. Right. Um, I'm glad that she is selling people on her own show because she, uh, Amon Vellani is incredible. I love Miss Marvel as a show. I love her as a character. Um, she looks really, really funny in this movie being mm-hmm. like the comedy fish out of water story to these badass space uh, women. Um, it just looks like a great bot, like a Freaky Friday-esque, like body swapping. Every time they use their powers, they end up in a different place yeah. type of thing. Just seems really fun. Like a, just a, mm-hmm. a really good time. Yeah. This trailer's very well cut together for giving you everything that this is going to be about. I love the swapping around of people. The 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 bit where in the opening where Monica is blasted back and now it's it's Kamala. Um ah! really, really fun. <laughs> Uh, Fury. that just overall like the energy from this is popping yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled this feels like Nia DaCosta is gonna knock it out of the park yeah. and, I, and I'm thrilled for her um, 
I'm, I'm just so excited. This, this has all the energy I wanted it to have. Yeah. Um. Uh. The like the final action scene in the trailer. It's kind of like a like a like a one shot of them all doing like what well, like a move. Uh. Very like you know like Civil War esque looking where it's like well, one beautiful. And they're using shot. their ability to transfer locations. And they're using their ability the to teleport and stuff. And I'm like, damn, that looks some like some Marvel action. That's that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's some really good time. The other thing, uh, like shout outs to the trailers, and I hope they keep this up. Um, I hope that they don't show us the moment she meets Carol uh, in oh, the, for the first time in the, yeah, for the first time in the film. Like, I don't mind seeing them on screen together. Yeah. But if they save when she meets her for the first time for the film, I'll be really happy. with yeah. them. Because at that point, Carol would have met her family and everything. Yes. And so she's really Carol have met her family and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> no, she's a super their fan. house twice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so great. Yeah. When she shows up, like, why does this keep happening? Like, she's yeah. she's so visibly mad. That yeah. Yeah. Uh, Part- yeah. Uh, Part of me is hoping in the movie that they just keep swapping and then Carol just ends up in Kamal's house and then Kamal's mom just goes, oh, hi, Carol, how are you? Or they're in the middle of dinner. It's like, here, Carol, we saved you a plate. You have to take some food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought this would happen. Here, there's a yeah, plate yeah. for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's so much fun energy happening here. Yeah. And she just pops it and she's like, or there's like an end credit scene where she's having dinner. There's a ring at the door and the mom was like, hi, Carol. And, and Kamal's like, why is Carol Danvers in my house? She's like, food. I was invited for dinner. And you're going to get into like whatever um, uh, Monica's feelings are about being um, abandoned, oh, feeling her. abandoned yeah. by Carol. That's true. true. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, probably talking about her mom and things like that. And so like, they're going to have like this, haven't really spent time with each other since Carol's been back and all this kind of stuff. And that dynamic between them that we know Monica was kind of carrying some of that energy going into yeah. WandaVision. Uh, and then amidst that is, is Kamala just being like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, I love her freaking out at the flurkin. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Goose. Uh, 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 on the trailer here, we see not the sword station y'all. Saber. It's called Saber. That's fine. I get it. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, I guess so. I guess are they technically like bad guys now after WandaVision? Is that what's Maybe. happening? Now they're Saber. Hmm. Secret artificial robots battery Saber. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, I'm super stoked for this. And they don't normally, and nowadays, like this is a trailer that came out pretty early because it comes out in November. That means they have a lot of faith in this if they're releasing it this early. Because remember when like Thor, it took Thor like, we got a trailer like seven hours before that, that movie came out. <laughs> like they're like, yeah, baby, this movie looks dope. We're gonna let you know about it now. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, very, very excited for that. I'm I'm yeah. super stoked. I'm super stoked to find out where it lands in comparison to Secret Invasion. Um, you and I talked yes. about this off air because like Nick Fury. It, just to remind everyone, the Marvels was supposed to come out before uh, Secret Invasion. So going money is probably that the events of this film are supposed to take place before the show. So we'll see how that all pans out. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I'm just so beyond jazzed uh i i'm i'm happy because it looks like it's actually going to be a real knockout that people will have to be like no you're just being an asshole if you don't like it yeah yeah yeah. let's hope hoping for the best now everybody uh sorry i mean like you're just being an asshole if you hate it i do want to specify like you could not like the movie and that makes sense it's the thing where like you're going and giving it the most dislikes of any marvel studios trailer in 24 hours where i'm like oh that's so stupid yeah yeah come on dracula hates it you know dracula loves our main topic Fake Dracula teeth feel really weird in your mouth, y'all. <laughs> Full ass spoilers for Renfield. 
directed by Chris, Chris McKay. McKay and written by people who I'm sure Sparks will tell me in one minute. I'm working on it, yeah. Uh, we got Nicholas Holt. We got... Ryan Ridley. Is Ryan Ridley. Look at that. Based on a story from Robert Robert Kirkman. That's right. Robert Kirkman. Uh, Walking Dead, Invincible Zone, Robert Kirkman. Look at that guy. Uh, uh, making copies. Making money. Um, yeah, full spoilers for Renfield. Hey, Ben, you're part of a Universal Monsters podcast. You're familiar with Dracula. What do you, how do you feel about Renfield, his manservant? I loved this movie. I had an absolute blast. This Hell movie yeah. was so much fun. We'll get into it, but Nicolas Cage was awesome. Nicholas Holt was great. I loved Aquafina in this movie. I had an abs. I also loved Ben Schwartz. I had no idea Ben Schwartz was in the movie. You never see him in any of the trailers, or at least uh, from what I can see. Maybe That's you do see him. I'd- Did you see him in the trailers? You did see him in the trailer. Damn it! I miss. I missed it. That's okay. But- either way, I thought this movie was fantastic. Hell yeah! I am unfortunately not as positive as you, Ben. I liked it, uh, but I got a lot of issues with it. Unfortunately, um, there's a lot. To- I think there's a lot to like here. I think uh, taking a big swing about like modern Dracula dealing with like criminal gangsters is like a really novel, cool idea. Um, for me, um, I don't think they went full as hard as the movie wants to be. I can feel the studio interference in it almost the entire movie. Um, it's still allowed to be a big, gross, like, you know, action comedy. Um, but there's just some things that just, that just bother me. And uh, mostly having the narration in a movie always bothers me. And this one felt particularly uh, awful. Um, there are just some points where like an emotional scene will be happening and then he will have to narrate. Here's what I'm feeling in case you didn't get it. And it just, that really, oh, that really frustrates me in movies when you don't allow your audience to, to just it, it, feel it. Like you're telling them how to feel instead of them like gauging it for themselves. Overall, I th- think it's a lot of fun, but I, I wish I liked it more. I had a pretty good time. Um, I echo, I'm probably somewhere in between you two. Um, I echo a lot of what Ryan's saying. Um, I think there's a tonal problem with the film. I think that had it committed completely to the camp that I feel like it wants to be slash sets up, um, then I would probably feel differently, but like there's an imbalance, uh, going on in this movie, but end of the day, I'd rather a wild, wild, crazy, big swing with Nicolas Cage's Dracula than uh, not have this film at all. Um, I think it's it's a refreshing uh, taste of monster movie fun. Taste, I agree. Ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. I'm, I'm done with these. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. I like. I do agree. Like, I would much rather have this in my life than not. Uh, I just wish it was allowed to be the movie that it wants to truly be. Um, I think Nicolas Cage is sensational. Yeah. Uh, he crushing it, crushing it. Um, there's just a point in the movie where he's just like, he goes, um, I'm okay. Just like uh, Nick, it's just what Nick Cage says, not what Dracula says. And I'm like, he's just being Nick Cage. He's having so much fun. Uh, love it. Uh, I think he's menacing when he needs to be. The practical effects all look great. Uh, I love when he's oozy and gooey, uh, uh, as much as he is, he is like fully formed or whatever. Um, uh, I think he, he, without him, I, I think this movie would be significantly worse. I think no, he is I, a lot of the, the cream of the crop of the movie. I completely agree. Looking back on this, the reason I think the reason why I like this movie so much is because of Nicolas Cage's campiness as Dracula. Um, you're absolutely right. I was even talking about this with my roommate last night about how he's funny but menacing, how he brings the the campiness that is this character and also him being Nick Cage, but also there are times where he's legitimately kind of very, not kind of, but it terrifying where it's like this is mother effing dracula he can kill you just by in a blink of an eye 
Um, and there are also parts where it hits, it's, he's just funny. Like his whole plan to take over the world. is like, it's like domination by D and Redfield and on a sticky note. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, not enough will be able to be said about the fact that Nick Cage owns this film. Um, this, this movie is, is living and dying on his, uh, performance. He's just, um, uh, absolutely captivating in the role uh, and so much fun because you don't know what he's going to do um, and how what kind of craziness he's going to bring to I love his like silly raspy voice that he's yeah, doing um, he sometimes is like Transylvanian when he needs to be <laughs> to his credit he does a very good job um, acting through those teeth yes oh. you, can, uh, you can yeah you he, can he feels very comfortable in the prosthetics that he's constantly being put in um I think he's looking very good. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. In particular, I really love the first time we see him in modern day, which is when uh, he's like really got like skin kind of flopping Flaps. around and, and like yeah. not not really forming on him. And I was like, this I love this look. I yeah. love it. Um, and his performance shines through all of that. Uh, and I, I really, really enjoy him. He's He's just so full of this committed to the bit uh narcissistic dracula who's who's driven just by um picking up kind of like on bella lugosi cues but not 100 recreating it and yeah. i and i i really appreciate it i think it's so much fun to watch yeah what's fun I, is like r- real quick like this this is this is technically a sequel like they wrote it to be a sequel like like again we see it in the movie like with like like the demeter like all that stuff did happen um and it is funny to think like and then 80 more years happen. Where would he be now? And I'm like, yeah, he, it would be modern day and he would have to deal with bullshit like this. Like, uh, it is it is a funny concept. Uh, and then seeing from the trailers, it made it seem like it was a weird superhero movie. Now it makes more sense that it was just like undercover gangsters hiding their faces. Like, all that stuff smooths out. Uh, uh, and I think, it, I think the world is a fun world. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I absolutely adored the ode to the 1930s film. The opening? yeah so it's so good and i i have to gush about this because like i have seen a lot of media in my life and there's always this attempt to like recreate what old films look like and it's almost always imperfect and not getting it right and this is so good because some shots are from dracula and some shots aren't and some shots are mixing them into shots from dracula and some shots are new and like I can't you visually they made it perfect it's seamless between those um they they recaptured old film look so well um that there's even one shot where like I almost thought it wasn't Nicholas Holt and it was the original actor who played Renfield and I'm like that that's not possible why would they do that for this one shot that is Nicholas Holt but like it's so pitch perfect and it's a shot where he's looking up from the lower deck of the the ship doing his <laughs> uh that is so accurate uh i everyone who ever wants to do old film look needs to look to this production team now because they nailed it they got it 100 correct yeah yeah oh yeah uh I, I can't really gush about it much i can't gush about it but i just want to i just want to say because after because i remember i borrowed your copy of dragon like the original 1930s Dracula from you sparks because i've always wanted because i've never seen a classic universal monster film up until that point and when I was watching Redfield, I was like, man, they you're 100% correct. They did such an amazing job 
recreating like the famous scene with Bella Lugosi on the on the stairs in the in the classic costume where he says, "I am Dracula," and it's Nicolas Cage. It's like, did they just put Nicolas Cage's face over Bella Lugosi's, or did they just recreate it? Because that I can't tell. It so, looks so good. So they are when they are put into the Dracula film, their whole body is put in. Okay. Um, so they're, they're on a green their screen. heads are not being replaced on, they're on a green screen. but they have done a very good job of editing around uh to make the background seamless behind them. Um, but their bodies are when it's them, it's their bodies are always they're in. replaced. Yeah, yeah. Um there are some wide shots where like it's it's actually still Bella Lugosi and, and the original actor, but like they're in white, so it doesn't matter. Um and then there's some shots that are like the in-between shots that are like the maid falling and that kind of thing. That's just straight up the shot from Dracula. Like they didn't put someone else in that, but like they, they didn't just replace their heads. They're they're standing in the movie, which is really great. It looks great. Incredible. <laughs> it really is. Like it's just visually just such a treat, especially as a fan of those films. Oh yeah. Um, but that's not what the movie's about, but it is really, really cute. And I'm really glad they did it because it, but it, but it also like, it does set up a tone. Because by today's standards, those films are campy. Yeah. Like, they weren't then, they are now. Um, and I think that campiness does kind of live in the opening of the film. And the more we get dragged into the Aquafina storyline, and um, the further that, that Renfield pushes into that storyline, the more it gets into this, like, serious, very, very serious Her story. Her stuff is, like, all serious. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. jive with the campiness. Yeah. Aquafina's actually, like not allowed to be as funny in this movie which no. confused me about why they cast her she's kind of like the straight man yeah yeah um she has good moments i, I don't mean to like put her down yeah. or anything it's just like why i thought she was the person cast in this role turned out not to be the reason yeah yeah um she she is like who i who like uh uh, uh what's the thing uh lobo uh tommy uh, tommy lobo or whatever like that that's the energy i thought she was gonna bring right Ben Schwartz energy. Ben Schwartz energy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I did BS say. energy, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the crime family meeting up with Dracula kind of thing and, like, him using them as a tool is a fun thing and a cool idea. And, like, you see Ben Schwartz getting turned into a familiar from a mile away. Yeah. But um, it, I think for an hour and a half movie, it takes a little too long for us to get to that point. Um, I think we spend a little bit too much time dragging our feet through, like, the Renfield and Aquafina stuff. Also, at the, beginning. at the end when he becomes a familiar, like five other dudes also become familiars, so it doesn't feel as impactful because yeah. they all just get mm -hmm. killed like immediately too. Yeah, yeah. Hated that choice. Yeah, I think I like I like all the action and I like how like bombastic it is. I do think the choice of like making the gore like extra extra bloody, so like every stab there's just like gushers of blood happening. I think it doesn't totally work for this movie. Uh, I think sometimes like when it's like. I don't know. I don't know how how I would solve the problem personally. Like, cause like I think like the giant gushes of blood. Like when he when he caves a bot. Like when he's jumping down and he literally caves that dude's that body. one. That one in particular bothers me because we see a shot after where Aquafina is stepping over that guy, and, and like, that guy is just there. Yeah. Like there's nothing about his body that looks like that amount of gore came out. Of I think him. the problem with it is that it's all CG. Is that all the blood is CG but and I mean, it like, just looks the, bad. The implication to me is like that dude's body might not be in half, but it should be close. Yeah. At that point. And he's like just laying there on the top of the car. And I'm like, there's something else needed to be done with that. And body there wasn't there, like friends. an explosion. Everything was still like I was like, no, no, no. no. But like, yeah. but like where the CGI blood didn't bother me as much personally. Yeah. Was things like the ripping off of the arms 
for that. The, for that the face rip. The face rip. Ah! Yeah, yeah, where the guy's just, yeah, that was pretty It's just good. like, this, there's a lot of stabbing, and it's just like, yeah. and it's like, it felt like 300, but I'm like, 300 is like a comic well, book. Well, and like, and, and to your point, I think it would fit if the movie lived in Campy Tone the if, entire time. Yes, I agree, yeah. I think, again, like, Aquafina stuff could have, like, could have landed better for me if, like, if, if the tone of the movie was stronger. Uh, if it was more unified, I should say, excuse me. Because, uh, again, like, her stuff with her dad, like, the dead dad and the and the sister, that's all very serious. Yeah. Well, Redfield's over here eating bugs, like, knocking people's heads off. I want all Like, you're different movies. I, like, want all of the gangster stuff to be on the same level as Ben Schwartz and the three guys we meet at the beginning who are like, no, you can't take it back. Take the drugs. Yeah, like, yeah that I was want, so good. I want them, I yeah. want all of the gang stuff to be on that level where it's all kind of farcical in a way. And it isn't like once you bring in the mom, she's very self-serious. The stuff with the police department is very self-serious. And I'm like, we could have scaled this down a lot. And the mom stuff is so like surface level generic bad guy stuff. Uh, and that that actress who's like, again, the like the greatest voice actor of all time with her with mm-hmm. her, her raspy, beautiful voice. Um, I love Grayson's comment. One of my favorite CG spots was Ben uh, uh, Ben Schwartz's Mortal Kombat death. 100%. That is a X-ray move from Mortal Kombat X. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. His entire spine breaking, him shitting blood out, vomiting blood out. <laughs> yeah. That was like, wow, that was extreme. Yes, that was. was. But I yeah. want the movie to live in that tone the entire time. And 100%. like, I feel like it could have because like, it's there. It's, you know, you're doing all these bits like Nicholas Holt is playing a Renfield who's like, he's got to eat bugs to activate his superpowers and all this kind of stuff. And like, it, it's there. And yeah. I wish it was just totally consistent the whole time and like utilizing that. I honestly thought this movie was going to be funnier. I, did I thought it was funny. Yeah, I did. I did think it was very funny. I thought it was going to be funnier. I thought the whole point was going to be more comedy, but it's it's not that it goes into horror. That's there. But like, that's just because it's like, you know, Dracula, it's Dracula. a monster movie and the vampires mm-hmm. and like, so that that's implied, but it's more just like there's too much drama in this, and like it's not necessary. Honestly, the, I think the only part yeah. of the dramatic storytelling that works for me is Renfield going to the to the AA meetings, and I'll say like the only part of it that I feel should stay as dramatic as it is in the film is the part where Dracula kills everybody in that yes. room because I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought somehow they were going to work around it, but Dracula murdered all those people. And I was like, okay, that should have this been gonna happen. like the one emotional, like, like down point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Aquafina stuff with her dad and like the sister, I'm going to be honest. Like, I just, I just don't care for it. Like, I, I don't care that your dad was a great cop who gotten like it. It didn't, it didn't do enough for me. Uh, I wish that could have been sidelined and just focused on Aquafina with Renfield because I think their their chemistry is good enough for me. I wish I think you can just do that. Like she's tried to bust this guy and like this guy committed blatant crimes while she was being pushed back to traffic. I don't need and it frustrates her because he's always getting away with it. I don't need any more than that. Yeah, you didn't need more setup than like he got to walk again. He just threw a bag of cocaine into a cop's face and he's walking out of here. Like you don't have to make it more complicated than that. Not for this film. I agree. Mm-hmm. Although, you can just say like the other cops yeah. are dirty, but like we don't need to bring in this family backstory. You don't need to bring in the dad. You don't need to bring in the sister. Yeah, uh, I do like I do like Ben Schwartz a lot. I just love him that dude shows up. So, yeah, um, sure. He is he is just a, a, a ton of fun, a, a good time on screen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, what other characters have we got? Have we have we mentioned Apache anyone? Joe, um, the racist uh, assassin whose question, head gets punched question. into the window? Is it still okay to make like a racist joke if you acknowledge that it's racist? Do you know that kind of that kind of joke? Is that like because like. It didn't offend me, but I'm like, I don't think that's particularly oh. funny either, though. Oh, like, they oh. call it? I heard him say Patchy Joe, not no, as in P-A-T-C-H-Y. No, no, no. That's why Ben Schwartz is literally on the phone talking about him and saying, you call him racist. He's the guy who cuts out people's tongues. With yeah, the it's a Patchy Joe like as an Indian. Yeah. Um, 
I, I could have done without it. Yeah. I just, I just like, no, it's in the 30 Rock territory of like, because we acknowledge it's racism, it's okay to make the joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also at that point, Ben, I thought this was the time in the movie when we were going to learn that there were going to be other monsters in our in this universe. Yeah. Okay, like, so, I thought yeah, that yeah, was yeah, going to be a Frankenstein or like a zombie or something. And like, oh, we're going to learn that monsters exist in this world. And like, oh, it's criminals and it's monsters. More, more importantly, Ryan and I had the same thought, which is there's a part in the movie where one of the um, gang family's cars comes all the way up to the camera. And you Lobos. See their, their wolf logo very prominently. Snorting and cocaine. I was like, yo, are they werewolves? Yeah. Yeah. Are we about to get werewolves in this? Because if the story had been either about Dracula teaming up with werewolves or about Dracula finding out they're werewolves when he comes in there and he smells her. And then he's like, oh shit, werewolves. And like that becomes a whole thing where now they have Dracula. They've captured Dracula and are torturing him in the basement. And he needs Renfield now because he yep. thought he had people on his side and now they have him. That would have been like bonkers bananas. Yeah. Also, the scene where you see um, the first, first time you see the mom and behind the screen, you see a woman and a dude chained up on a chair. Part I part of me was like Victoria Frankenstein. Mm. Oh, sure. I didn't think that at sure. all. Sure, I mean, like yeah. I get sure. you. I just assumed that um, they were torturing. Just people. torturing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they were torturing people, but the same, yeah. But now that you mention it, yeah, I kind of wish there were other monsters because I saw this with some of the cast from D and Dark, and after the movie, we were talking about who was who was who it was like, oh, where's the where's the Frankenstein monster? Where's the um, where's the Wolfman? And you're right, the Lobos would have been great. If they were all werewolves, that would have been awesome. And yeah, now I kind of wish there were the monsters. That would have been cool. Yeah. I think I think that there was just there was an opportunity, especially to like flip the whole thing on its ear, where like Dracula is, is adamant and consistent about saying, like, I don't need you, Renfield. Like I choose to uh, you know, utilize you, but like I don't, I don't, you can't hurt me, Renfield, yeah. that kind of thing. And then him being trapped by werewolves yeah, yeah. would be a very like oh shit i need you renfield yeah. and like the way you can turn that relationship on its ear um and like renfield could just leave him behind at that point if he were I, i'm rewriting the movie and i don't mean to do that but like but like you know renfield would have been able to leave him behind at that point but aquafina would be like yo we can't just leave the city in the power of werewolves yeah. so like now he has to go kill these werewolves and dracula um there's so much like wolf because then, like, Lobos is like a, it's a, all over. The it's place. like a Mexican wolf. So I'm yeah, wondering yeah, yeah. if like there was a bigger idea here that they're like, oh, we have to tone it down in some capacity. Because this is a relative. This is, this movie costs 65 million, which is like relatively low budget for like an action movie of this of like what this is. Um, so I'm like, I wonder if this had bigger aspirations or like we gotta we gotta cut it down a little bit. Um, but I, still, I, I, I still agree with you. Good. I feel like I feel like a trepidation uh, from the studio, not willing to like fully invest into what this kooky idea is yeah and i feel like if you tone this up like 20 more percent in the direction of where it's at its best and yeah it's about at its most weird this movie rules give me one more f you kyle joke and i would have been like there it is love it yeah i'm a big that fan of the funny. Kyle jokes. yeah yeah <laughs> happy for you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i did appreciate like there there's some really good like bits and jokes i really love um when the cop is in the crime family room watching renfield go through people and when he leaps up and he's like yo he can fly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what bitch can fly yeah. and then ripping the arms off and he's like oh hell no i'm out of this <laughs> renfield just like with arms i think that i think the arms bit is very funny i yeah. really like him slapping shit around with the arms and when he like he throws it spear spear the guys into just the like, wall it's really really good yeah i think yeah all the action um, is really fun and like again like i wish the whole movie just kept that energy 
Uh, I think my biggest problem is with um, the Renfield, like, I'm going to take this step forward away from Dracula at the apartment and everything, is that, like, when when they come around on it and Dracula is there, it's like it's it's feels very half-assed in how he thought it through. Like, yeah, he's depriving Dracula, but like like Dracula would never do anything about it. Like, he just it, moved it's out. like it's like he doesn't think about it at all. Um, he's been he's doing he's been doing this for eighty years, and he's just like, I'm just gonna get a new apartment. Right. Like that's it. You didn't yeah. move out of I, the city. That's that's like one of the weaker points of the film where I feel like it's just dragging its feet, and I'm like, just get us through this. Like, yeah. I, I get what you're doing, but like we can do go about this more efficiently. Yeah. Um, and at and the same time, way. I love Nick Cage in that scene. No, I love when he comes to the <laughs> yeah, apartment. Yeah, yeah. That's a great scene. But like you yeah. can you can get there without doing the stuff in between that. I'm, I'm like this. Yeah, yeah. It's the movie slows down I for that section for this movie. Where it doesn't feel like it's giving me more information about the characters. It's yes. just slowing down. This movie is only like 90 minutes long, and I'm gonna be honest. I even felt it drag for 90 minutes. You know what? I, I kind of. I want to say one positive before I agree with that point. Um, the scene we're talking about where Dracula is in Raphael's apartment, I do love the joke where he looks at the welcome mat and goes, shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, it's really good. That I is good. But welcome. I do agree because I felt like this movie felt like more than it was a two-hour long movie. I did not feel like an hour and a half movie. Yeah. Unlike the film we saw last week where if that was, that definitely felt like an hour and a half movie. It was going right. like boom, boom, boom. This right. one did feel like it was dragging speed a little bit. And then I was like, really? It's only this o'clock at night it feels like yeah. it's been a lot longer and i do feel I'm, i will agree that that's to the movie's detriment um i don't know why though probably i don't know because i wasn't bored i was engaged the entire time but i do agree that there were some slow parts of the movie where i i wasn't like oh get on with it i was just like it's okay it's it's because like the bit that we were referring to before where it's like it's him going shopping and doing all the stuff and like getting the apartment and all that and then going and giving his witness statement and spending time with with Aquafina's character it's all it's it's fine but like that's not telling me anything new about Renfield it's not progressing the story of this movie in any meaningful way and it's not unlocking something new about the characters it's not like he he engages in a major way more with her right like the conversation isn't new um, and I understand, like, you get very early on what they're doing with Renfield about, like, him wanting to break up this codependent relationship. That's that's all fine, well, and good. But, like, we didn't need to go through all the beats the way that they did them to get to that point, to get to the point where Dracula comes and confronts him about it. Like, you could have gotten there in different kinds of steps and gotten us to the same end, but more efficiently and in a way that was really rewarding and, and could have spent more time on the things that were working about the movie where it yeah. wasn't. And I think a good example of that, too, is also when, like, Dracula's um playing the bit on aquafina's character to like i can bring her back just choose me and like i get that it's to torture renfield but i'm like that that goes for a long time mm -hmm. where like mm -hmm. where we're you know it, it's just not it's not moving crisply through this story you just yeah. feel during that scene you just feel like the, the scene in maya python where they just keep constantly yelling get on with it get on with it yeah, yeah. it's a, it's just not it's not utilizing its runtime to its to its maximum it's it's really like filling air in a couple of places instead of like it, yes really taking advantage of what the the story wants it to be feels to like they wrote a 70 page script and like shit we need 20 more pages hmm. we need all right give aquafina a sister uh um go go have a redfield get an apartment and some clothes to fill out the, the 10 minutes um 
No, because yeah, it doesn't really add much to this story. Right, and I could have, I could have gone more. Honestly, give me another scene of just Dracula chewing the scenery, maybe with Ben Absolutely. Schwartz. Honestly, I wish we had one more scene with Dracula and Ben Schwartz. I'm sad that it was as limited as it was. I wanted it was more really engaging because I really love when he's like, <laughs> "Are you happy? Or are you gonna mess me up?" Yeah, that's great. And I love <laughs> when, um, uh, like when he first meets the mom, and he's like, "Nice to meet you," and he's like, "Oh." Like, are you gonna bang my mom? Oh, like I could have used more of that dynamic. Like, again, like I don't think the main, the 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 mom villain was again. I don't think she had to be because she's not really our main antagonist. I think she's just. I think, if, I think if she's not going to be a werewolf, then she doesn't need to be in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Or like, let her like get bit by Dracula or so, just something to make her more interesting because she's like, I'm just a bad guy. I'm like, yeah, cool. I mean, you. I do agree with that because you do in the very beginning of the movie, you do see how she is very much willing to get her hands dirty, even though. Like she's, she was tutoring someone on how to cut a person up, which is mm-hmm. messed up. Yeah. And then you get this feeling about how she is willing to kill everything, everyone, and anyone who stands in her way. And I was kind of how, she, and then the rest of the movie, you don't see this evil side of her. I was, to be perfectly honest, when she meets Dracula, I was kind of hoping she would become Dracula's queen yeah. or he goes, you know what? I'm going to turn you into a vampire as well. And then she becomes absolute. She's like this. She essentially realizes her bloodlust. Full on. I I thought that was going to happen too. hundred percent. So there's another aspect to this film that I was kind of surprised it wasn't utilizing um, where I, I honestly thought that part of the relationship that they were going to play up. And I, it's fine if it's not, is that Renfield had always been promised by Dracula that eventually he would be a vampire, not a familiar anymore. They never said that once. And like, that's not, no, it's not there. It's not there. And I kind of thought like, that's something that like, you can milk, you can get a lot more out of the dynamic between what that means. Yeah. And, and like, about why he stuck around and why he like, you can, you can really push that. Like you chose power for yourself like you can play victim but this was all about about what you gain out of the situation here's the thing this movie kind of messes that up because as far as i am aware in other familiar like in like when you are a familiar you like you don't become immortal like you still age so like i think that's i think that's something different where renfield should be a 90 year old man at this point but he is super powerful. Well, he'd be older than that. So, but but what I mean he'd is like dead. he he doesn't need the vampire promise because he is immortal and he does have superpowers. Right, but like having having that power makes him Dracula's uh, like equal. Yes, not yes. his servant. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. and like they can both have familiars then, and like you, you can utilize that promise. My point was going to be because like how much more nasty of a turn would it be if Dracula didn't make Ben Schwartz a familiar, but made him a vampire? Oh, yes. And, like, that that kind of, like, twist of the knife. Like, that's, that's, that's not even because he cares. It's just to hurt. It's spite. Like, there's so much more you can play in what that relationship is because, like, Renfield means something to Dracula. Yes. Or he wouldn't go on the murder spree in yeah, the, he... in the uh, uh, meeting, and he wouldn't do things the way that he's doing them if he didn't want to hurt Renfield personally. So like there's something that actually means something. And I think that's an important part of like what's missing in the film. If you're going to focus on this idea of a codependent relationship is that the person who's still holding the power in the codependent relationship is also still in the relationship and invested in a way, even if they want to lie to themselves about it. And like, that would have been a way to really drive that home about like Dracula caring. Yeah. Uh, You know, not in a way that you want him to, but like he does In the way that abuser, in the way that an abuser abuser does cares because like they have power over someone. They don't want, they don't want to lose that power. Mm -hmm. And like the scene where Dracula is like, I'm going to kill everyone just to spite you, just because you betrayed me. 
Uh, and that is Dracula having feelings for Renfield, even though they're all negative feelings. He does feel away. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Grayson bringing up a point, like I thought uh, that what they were doing with Renfield was using Dracula's blood to stick around. Um, I I don't think like, well, he's not like addicted to it. And I don't think it's the thing keeping him, it is like the thing keeping him alive and immortal, but like, like that's just being the familiar as part of that is having the Dracula's blood yeah. serve to you. But I think the reason they get away with the familiar rules, like you're saying, is like, you're talking about general vampire rules. We're following strictly Bram Stoker's Dracula adapted into the Universal Pictures film. There are no rules about what familiars no, yeah, can yeah. or can't do. Yeah. So they're just playing in that limitless space where like he he can stick around yeah um because we we say so and that's fine but, but i don't I, mind that but no, like, i don't either but i think that's why they can't do the vampire thing because he if i in all he might he is basically a vampire right right but again like it's about it's about that like being acknowledged as like an equal like like it's a graduation idea like you're this you serve your time and eventually i'm going to bring you into the vampire into the vampire brood and we'll both have the billiards like we'll be we'll be friends yeah because he doesn't have a goal and i'll like, care about you because like yeah. I, i'll acknowledge you as like a person in yeah. my eyes you're you're a part of like rather than being my follower you're a part of the side of the world that benefits yeah. like i think of it and like that can be a thing that like renfield is deluded and appealed to in the beginning and something that has like waned over time i do like i, I think that angle is there just anything yeah. to make the relationship dynamic and Dracula's actual investment in it more prominent in this film, I think drives home the idea of what it's trying to do better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Renfield. Um, I like that. They're just like Renfield did abandon his child and his wife. Yeah. I like that. Like there's like, yeah, he did do a really bad thing. He was out there for greed. Uh, so like he does deserve Dracula in a way, but like, Hey, you can, you can learn from your mistakes from 80 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny that like, She's like, I don't think you're a bad person, Renfield. And he's literally killed like how many hundreds of people over the last 80 years? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. The most prolific serial killer yeah. of our time. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so just like really good one-liners in this movie. Absolutely. Um, there's this uh, excellent exchange when um, Teddy Lomo first encounters him and he's like, do you know who I am? I'm Teddy Lomo. I'm Count Dracula. You win. You win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i think like th there's a lot of really good ziggers and and solid line choices there's 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 like there's a I film there's a film that knocks it out of the park with yeah. another pass and a little more confidence in the in the tone that it wants to go for and committing to the bit rather than feeling like it needs to ground it yeah more than than being just goofy as hell just accepting what it is yeah, yeah. um i yeah uh bringing up one-liners like uh uh the teddy lobo of like uh oh this all seems a little bit familiar and his eyes explode. No. i'm like that's I, that's so cheesy i love it. it it is cheesy but also i love how he snorts a centipede like it was cocaine yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that i mean yeah, yeah. gross but also it's like makes sense yeah um i ben can you explain to me why and i talked about it with you i just want to get from ben yeah, yeah. um the, he, renfield and all these guys they have to eat bugs to get superpowers right yeah okay in the fight between another familiar he just eats more bugs and he just becomes more strong than the other familiar. How does, I don't, I didn't understand that part because he just eats a bunch of bugs and then he like super kills him. But the other guy is a familiar who does the exact same things. Do you have to eat like five bugs to get five times as powerful as opposed to three bugs? Do you have oh. to consume more bugs to become more powerful? I thought it was just you eat a bug and you're powerful. You yeah, I, I, thought mean? that I thought that too. I think it's a cop out in the end a little bit of just like, I, I to be the bad guy, I'm just more powerful. Don't think about it. I think I think that the other end of it, and I do think it's confusing because of him just like horking a bunch of bugs in the car. But um, 
I think that like you have limited time, like there is a time limit on how long the bugs charge him for. Sure. And mm-hmm. I can buy that when he walked in, he was charged by the time he gets to the part where Teddy Lomo was like really kicking him around. Um, it The charge is gone and he needs to recharge. I wish they I, I, be- I believe that. I wish they conveyed that in the movie better. I think I honestly wish they had made a little bit more of a bit at some point of especially like with Teddy Lomo being a familiar of of utilizing them both uh honestly like you get your bit like kind of like everything everywhere all at once where um they they're familiars with their powers and both of them lose their charge and they yes. have to get to their bugs but they can't get to their bugs so, so they're good. just kind of like so slapping at each other that's that such kind of a good thing. reference and like uh but like they have to get to like just like in everything everywhere all at once like activating the the skills from another universe the power. they have to get to their bugs and so it's like who's going to get to the bug first they're chasing that, flies I around i think that would have been really really oh, good that would have been that would have been yeah. really funny yeah, Grayson agrees. He thinks Uranus Sparks. God, there's like a whole action scene of them like leaping over each other trying to get to this one fly. <laughs> or, or they see a spider up and they're like, spider! Yeah. 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 Well, that's a different movie, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah for sure. But it's, but it's all the more speaking to like, what is there's there? something so wonderful here. There really is. And there's yeah. something so 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 beautiful and goofy and weird about this idea and the execution with um, Nicolas Cage, Nicholas Holt, who I think is doing a pretty good job most of the time. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll shout it in particular that I really love when he does the um, it's it's something I wish he did more. But at the beginning of the movie, when he goes and he approaches those guys and says, I'm a friend of Caitlin, he has this bit where he does a laugh and he says, <laughs> he adapts the classic film renfield laugh into a more normal laugh but Mm -hmm. it's still there and i wish he did that more like that that it's it's like this indication of like renfield's madness and so the idea that that could still live a bit in him i wish he did it more than just once in the whole film i do wish he was he was less like romantic lead more like manic like weird guy uh because like he is like he he plays a lot of these type of roles and like he's so good at being like a weirdo, but like he I just starts wish... it feels like he starts weird and he gets more normal. Yes. And I wish he stayed weird. By the time he's in the sweater and he got a beautiful haircut, like that's just a pale guy. That's just a yeah. pale. That's just oh, that's a white dude in Southern California. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of white dudes in Southern California, any other thoughts on Renfield before we wrap her up, guys? Uh you know, after talking about it with you guys, I do definitely see the flaws. I think it was, I was just more hyped in how funny enough i was blindsided by nicholas cage's performance well sure look there's a lot of really fun and good stuff there's just a lot of cracks too yeah um yeah. and i agree with ryan like i think the movie is a whole decent chunk better if it just loses that narration yeah um i think there's one sequence but to be honest with you i couldn't tell you exactly which one uh where i think it's it's good and it's useful um and it's pretty much the opening like doing the recap like him guiding us through that, the, like, that's fine like, yeah. like all the stuff of like this is who I am. And I think when you're using it in terms of him, like talking about Dracula, even if we're not seeing Nicholas Hole on screen, but he's talking about Dracula in the meeting. Yeah. I think that's all fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But then outside of that, I don't think it's, it's the as, stuff that's useful. It's funny because we were talking about like, like problems. I have like illumination of like, well, that just happened. Yeah, yeah. And literally like the first joke of Renfield is like, Oh, I didn't think that was going to happen in narration. And I was right. like, Please, no, not the whole movie. Luckily, it's not the whole movie. Thank God. Uh, but like, you know, we just watch everything everywhere all at once. And that is a movie that is free of studio interference that was creatives allowed to make their vision. And I see that with Renfield. But the studio is like, it's just too weird. We can't allow it to be that weird. And I just like, I know there's a better movie here. Like, I see it. There's so much good shit in here. Mm. Yeah. Hampered by like, eh, but I'm a producer. I'm like, that's fine. 
It's fine. Yeah, I see. Unfortunately, this movie is bombing hard. This movie came out this week, and it came out in fourth place, behind John Wick, behind Mario, behind whatever else came out. Yeah, it's unfortunately people weren't weren't excited. Behind D and D. Behind D and D. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer. I'm I'm sad that this isn't being received uh, in a way where like just or more seen. people aren't seeing it yeah. because like I want them to take more swings like this. Even though this one didn't land 100 the way I wanted to, I still had a a good time watching it, and I'd like to see more choices in this direction. Yeah, with the Universal monsters than just strictly trying to do horror remakes yeah. over and over and over again. Not everything. I needs- don't want them to feel confined to that. I want them to feel like we can get this kind of goofy and out yes. there. Not everything needs to be a franchise, but like I <laughs> could see this being like, like yo, we have the the dark horror thing happening, but like this is our jokey version. This is the fun one. We got Nicolas Cage as as a, as a Dracula. You know, we got. You know, we got Charlie Day as the Invisible Man. Like, just we can be have this be the fun, goofy version. Like, I wish we could live in that world, but this movie again bombed. So, like, unfortunately, the the, the last voyage of the Demeter. It's up to you. It's up to you. <laughs> Good Dracula this year. I'm excited for that. I just like, I think that's really cool. I just don't want that to feel like the only thing that they can make. Yeah, the, 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 with the these tone. monsters. Yeah, because yeah. again, this this is a fun big swing, but uh, just it's unfortunately it didn't totally work out. Ben, why don't you? Why don't you relate it? I was going to give it an 8, but now after talking with you guys, I think I'll give it a 7.5. Mm-hmm. I, I will say I wish this film had come out in October. I think it would have stood a better Spookier chance. Season. I, I do feel like it was a Fall. mistake to bring out a film prominently featuring... In the summer, but Nick, after Mario? A Nick Cage Dracula in the summer. I don't know what the thinking was there to I, drop yeah. this movie now. Yeah, uh, I would have rather that it came out later in the year. Especially yeah. because this this is back half of the year is much less crowded as far as like big name IP. I agree. And even if even if this movie isn't like a total success, I think it would be more successful in that time period. Yeah, more sure. people would be willing to be like, Dracula? the Nick Cage Dracula movie. It's, it's yeah. spooky time. But yeah. when big movies come out every, like, I'm sure some people still haven't seen Mario or John Wick or Dungeons and Dragons, like, they're trying to catch up, you know? Yeah, I get it. Absolutely. Uh, I will give it a solid seven. I think there's a lot to love, but just, uh, you know, not enough to make me love it. No, I agree. It's, I'm also at a seven. I think that uh, it, it's it's got some amazing parts that don't all go together with some of the parts that are dragging it down. Um, but it's 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 such a wonderful swing. I hope more people come to it over time because I think it's really really fun absolutely i agree i had a great time watching it i did yeah absolutely well friends romans countrymen's time years. for the book club <laughs> um that'll do it we, we are saying to brandon and it is big cl- it is his book club this week so uh, we're skipping it uh but we do know he will be on next week and we do know what the book club will be and it is do do doodaloo star wars related i'm happy brandon picked this choice because he not only picked a star wars book he picked a Legends book. He picked a Legends book called Star Wars, Dawn of the Jedi, Force Storm. And this takes place 25,000 years ago in the Ooh. Legends timeline. Hmm. Will this be what James Mangold's movie is about? Hell no, because this shit doesn't matter anymore. But I'm excited to read it because maybe it will be influenced on what could possibly be happening. Sure. Love it. Can't, I'm so excited that Brandon picked that. Um, next week, y'all, our topic is probably my most anticipated movie of the year. <laughs> it's Evil Dead Rise. Oh my God, April, April showers bring Ben screaming flowers. Cannot wait. Uh, ben, Ben's probably not going to be on the episode, but I'm going to drag his ass to that movie theater one way or another. And he'll be talking about it at some point yeah, this year. Yeah, he will be experiencing it, and that's all that Ben's matters. going full Evil Dead in October, y'all. Uh, um, cannot wait. It's going to be... 
it's gonna be a spooky season y'all um coming up on the channel we got a couple more uh cinephile things coming out some will be on the main show maybe some will be on cinephiles we'll see but dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -dun, indiana jones we're doing that because i believe there's a new movie coming out soon june yeah june end of june gotta turn that dial up baby and is it end of june i might be in i think July. it's 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 coming out in a j month uh after indiana jones we're gonna be doing some it's june mission impossible i was gonna do the theme but i already forgot it between between our regular episodes and then sometimes on our regular episodes you're going to see a lot of indiana jones and mission impossible discussions coming up in the near future so yeah. now's the time if you haven't watched those things indiana jones i'm sure you have but mission impossible now's the time to catch up because I, we are going to be talking about them two at a yeah. time i uh i i i don't know why but whenever i think of mission impossible i think of the mission impossible fallout trailer with the imagine dragon song can't fight the and it's like the dopest trailer i ever saw in theaters and i'm like damn punch, punch. yeah oh and the oh, you're right 100 um yeah gotta reload my gut gotta my arms. Re gotta reload my guns baby reload those cannons yo baby uh we watched everything everywhere all at once and those had some butt plugs in it but we don't have any of those on this podcast but we have some regular plugs so let's talk about baran and t mcclure for a second his second season of conversation is coming up oh my god i'm looking at the date that's soon that's next week mm -hmm. april 19th episode one's popping off new logo new season same brandon can't wait on the youtubes hey baby fake nerds watch will continue forever with with the two star warses nope that's a lie the one star wars and the one star trek the two star shows i should have said uh picard and mandalorian that was gonna keep on popping until they're done which there are two episodes left of both shows to talk about so we'll see how how they all end up this season. I got a good feeling about both those shows. That's yeah. nice to feel. So check us out there. We got, goodness gracious, y'all. We have Basement Arcade, Mr. Ben Magnum himself. I'm sure he's talking to some lovely folks coming up. We also have Basement Arcade pause menu. Wait, yeah. that's the you one where you talk on. to people. Yeah. Basement Arcade is where we play video games. We haven't yeah. done that in a while, but we oh, will yeah. be doing it sooner oh, or later. Oh, I have a feeling that Ben's going to have to set aside some time when he comes back from Hawaii to start building for something for Spooktober. Uh, that's yeah. about to get deadly, is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> also, Calista yeah. Protocol on sale. Sorry, Ben. Uh, Fake Nerd Book Club is another show we do uh, where we talk about comics in full length sometimes, and I'm sure we have some new episodes coming out with that as well. Uh, check out some of the older episodes. We've done plenty of great books like Power Rangers and Wasted Space. Um, Choo Choo, animation station um do we have any maybe maybe yeah we have something coming up uh real soon ryan and i are going to be doing a moon girl and devil dinosaur uh end of the season discussion we'll talk about the last episodes of that season because that show's awesome so yep. that's definitely on her our horizon we're waiting just a little bit um because we haven't finished it but also because i'm trying to give brandon a little bit of time because he's going to try and catch up and join us for hell yeah um Love the it. other thing is animation station is going to have two uh, Star Wars related episodes coming out soon. Uh, we're going to do a discussion on Visions Season 1 and Visions Season 2. Do, 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 do. Love it. Like it, love it. Once more of it. And then one final plug for the real score. Real scores out there. You got the Batman by Michael Giacchino coming out later this month is an episode on The Mask of Zorro, the score composed by James Horner. Ooh, da -na -na -na. That's right. Love it. Uh, if you guys want to support us, we got the Patreons. You want to throw us a buck or two to help keep the lights on? We would greatly appreciate it. We also got a tea public with some fancy merch, some great, great teas. I think you can buy mugs and shit. Lots of cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, we also have a website, thefakenerdpodcast.com. If you want to look at any of the things we've ever made in the past, it's all there, baby. What a great website. Wow, what a great website. All we links should, are in the description. We steal so much from the ring of Earth. It's so funny. <laughs> I love it. It's the, they're the best. Um, we want to say thank you 
to the listeners. If you are watching this live, if you're watching the replay, if you're listening to us uh, in your ear holes, thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, like and subscribe if you haven't. Five stars we if you love can. You. Every little bit helps. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, essentially, this is the part where I turn into Patrick Starr from that one episode where goes, I love you. I love you. Uh, Jeremy Vellucci, main man behind our music. Also, new collaborator on The Real Score. Mm-hmm. You can find him at Jeremy Vellucci underscore Wreck of Time, which is the band that he is in. Uh, he does all of our theme music, like I said. He also has a fun radio show podcast called Suburban Proctologist, which you can find on iTunes, Facebook, and Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Yep. Mike Matola, man who makes every logo, new mm-hmm. and old, mm-hmm. almost every logo. <laughs> Many logos. Uh, many logos. Uh, many the OG logo. one right here, at least. The new, the new conversation logo is from Mike there you Matola. go. There you go. Um, Good friend at Mike Matola all over the internet. Um, Instagram, TikTok. I'm sure he's on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, you know, Spotify or whatever. Uh, hey guys, if you want to get involved with our show, which we'd love for you to do, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook at the Fake Nerd Podcast. Uh, if you want to email us, email us, which I don't know if we ever get, I don't think we've ever gotten a single goddamn email. Please email us. <laughs> I would love to read your emails. Fake nerd guys at gmail.com. Ask us any question. And I'm not the guy who reads emails, but I'm saying it on, if you, if you send an email in, I, I don't care what it is. I will read it. On, I will read to, it online. I'd have to ask Brandon, but I do think people emailed in their voting for the fake nerd. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Uh, if you have any random questions coming up is fake nerd awards soon. Yeah. So look out for the nominations. Oh yeah. That'll be happening in a, in a few months or so, you know after all the a million other things that we're doing. Yep. Um, so guys, if you can, find it in the kindness of your hearts to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and podcasts in Pandora. Uh, what other ones have we missed? Did, did the Zoom Marketplace, did we get that one? Shazam? Pandora? We said that one already. Um, the Apple? Apple one? Apple? Apple? Did I say Apple? Hey, also Apple. That's the one I use the most. Where, where can they find us? Oh my God. I'm getting to it. Don't worry. Rate and review wherever you can get us. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. If you want to get to us personally, <laughs> personal social accounts. You can find Ben Magnet. Where can they find you, Ben? <laughs> this you is, find this me. is layout of this is all wonky. <laughs> oh my god! You could find me oh, busting it. some viruses and trying to get through Metroid as fast as humanly possible to get ready for Tears of the Kingdom at Ben Magnet Twenty Seven on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You could also find me writing for Fusion Gaming Magazine, Old School Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, as well as playing Mary Frankenstein in D and Dark. New episodes out on Wednesdays. And thank Grayson. Good to have you here, buddy. Thanks, Grayson. You're the best, Mister Sparks. Where can they find me? Uh, you can find me um, also uh, just cleaning up my last bits of God of War Ragnarok, getting ready for Jedi Survivor, uh, which is a game I'm super excited for and very confident Ben will not be part of that discussion because uh, there's just too darn much going on. At Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. You can find me, Mr. Ryan Dracula, at DJ Tony Stark 616 just listening to more ska because... Who doesn't love a good uh, uh, trombone? Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about, like, what a ridiculous amount of ska jokes. Oh, what, did, man. what did ska, ska ever do to <laughs> What did ska ever do to this writer? Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, I really do like the My My Boss tones in the Digimon movie. I do. That was 25 years old. I really like when the ska gets turned off. The three guys are there with the cocaine, and he's like, oh, man, that was the best part. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. <laughs> The Mighty Boss Tones guy dancing. I think those in the are lyrics to a ska song. <laughs> yeah.
Love it. Well, thank you guys for watching. Again, like and subscribe uh, if you haven't. Thank you for watching. And until next time, is it this one? Please stay safe, nerds.